Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that can make it through an entire recording session after eating those damn enchiladas. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this year, Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups, our bosses, the drive-in gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. Except for this episode. That's right. The drive-in gods have called a wrap on our second season so we're temporarily shutting things down here at the old drive-in, closing down the concession stand, dimming the projector lights, jump-starting the last few remaining cars. It's always so sad to see the drive-in close up for the season. I'm going to miss all these mutants and the smell of stale popcorn. I hear you, buddy. This... Driving's been a hell of a reprieve from the uh, the insanity of the last 12 months. Let's face it, 2021 sucks. Sucked. sucked! Maybe not as bad as the year before, but I'm still catching myself daydreaming and pining away for the glory days. Ah, yes, the glory holes. I mean, ah. uh, glory days. Uh, before the internet turned everyone into John Carl Beekler's wet dream. Docking on the radio, Tom Savini's name on movie posters, horror conventions where you didn't have to shell out 50 bucks for a selfie. Fuck yeah. Stop motion puppets is on on forced perspective sets. Stephen King coking it up. Scream great. Pull out posters in every issue of Fangoria. (sighs) Those were the days. But here we are. Well, let's not make it all bummers and boo-hoos. How about, Chris, we pull one last program from our slime-splattered sleeves. A year-end marathon to wrap things up with a big old bow of drive-in depravity. You mean more than two movies? Why not? It's going to be a cold winter. We'll be snowed in. We can warm ourselves up with a, 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 a marathon of the best movies the year has to offer. But 2021 sucked! No, no, dude, I'm talking those good old gory days. Best drive-in flicks of 1985. Why 1985? Why not? Good enough for me. Okay, cool, cool. So we'll each make a list of our, uh, our 20 favorite movies of 1985. No peeking. Then we will meet back here, and we uh, will each go down our respective list. If we both have a matching movie, uh, then it gets programmed. And it can all culminate in our top film of the year. And uh, you know what? We can use this stack of old Fangorias to help us out. Okay. Sound like a plan? Yeah, sounds like a plan. I'm down, man. So how about before we do that, we do a little bit of business here. Okay. You can email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us at deadcitydrivein.com. We're on Instagram at deadcitydrivein. 
We're everywhere that podcasts are, obviously, if you're listening. But it'd be yes. awesome if you subscribed and you rated and maybe even reviewed the yes, show. Yes, please. So if you, uh, if you listen to this on whatever service that you listen to, if you have the opportunity to go through and write a review for us, it would help us out immensely. Well, listen, why don't we uh, make our lists real quick, and yeah, then okay. um, and we're gonna take we'll take a quick little break, and when we get back, we will go uh, we will go through our lists. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good to me. Man. Okay, cool. Well, we're back. Okay, nineteen eighty five is the year that you're we're going with here. I'm trying to get back to the year nineteen eighty five. Here's the deal. Here's what was going on in nineteen eighty five. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Debuted in newspapers across the here, country. Here. Thank you, Mr. Watterson. Um, Michael Jordan was named Rookie of the Year. Mm. Uh, the RMS Titanic was located by a joint American-French expedition. Uh, Isn't that Robert Ballard? I believe so. Yeah, yeah the Bob Unabomber Ballard. killed his first victim in 1985. Oh, nice. That's what happens when the CIA gives you acid. <laughs> Uh, also, on a bummer note, insurance companies started uh, screening for AIDS uh, for life insurance. Oh, Jesus. That was a lot of fun, I'm sure, for people. Uh, Michael Jackson bought the Beatles' back catalog for $47 million fucking dollars. Oh. <laughs> uh, what else happened there? Uh, oh, New Coke was introduced <laughs> and then immediately abandoned oh, six dude, months later. I, I totally remember that one. Um, what else happened in 1985? Oh, the first dot com was registered. Do you know what it was? Porn.com? Symbolics.com. Hmm. A tech company. I did not know that. Windows 1.0 was released. I did not know that. CDs. Were CDs nuts. <laughs> were introduced to America. Did I ever tell you the story about when I was in fourth grade, what this kid, let's just call him David Cole, said to us, or said to me in- Is that uh, a pseudonym or is that his real name? That's his, probably his real name. I'm okay. just, that's the, yeah, David Cole. He um, asked me one day, um, hey, Brandon, he talked like a, you know, an old man. Hey, you like tapes or CDs? And obviously, there's an answer here, and it was CDs. So I said, CDs. And he goes, CDs nuts! And cracked up hysterically. And so I just went, well, then I guess tapes? And he went, what? Tape these nuts. And I went, wait a minute, so you can just pick either, or you can say Hey, Brandon, both. hey, Brandon. <laughs> yeah? You like eight tracks? Yeah. You attracted to these nuts? <laughs> hey, hey, Brandon. Yeah? You like records? Yeah, of course. You recognize these nuts sitting in your mouth? <laughs> hey, Brandon. Yeah? Do you like DVDs? Yeah. I got DVD on these nuts. You better call a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 1985 was a hell of a year. It was it a little was. crazy. Here's Definitely. average monthly rent in 1985, $375 a month. Shit. How much did a new car cost? Uh, $7,000. Close. $9,005. Gas was? Uh, 85 cents a gallon. A dollar nine. Oh, shit. And a movie ticket? Was four twenty-five. Two seventy-five. Fuck. And that said, here's the uh, top ten films. Okay. Of 1985. These are the highest grossing films of 1985. Are we starting with number 10? Or are we should with I or one? should I go with number one? Let's go with fucking number 10. Let's, let's go with let's number count, 10? Let's count down, dude. Okay, that this would be... This is like a fucking David Letterman top 10 list. Okay, here we go. Number 10. Um, 
Grandpa Bond in A View to a Kill. Oh, yes, yes. Roger Moore was a little long in the tooth. Yeah, but it's the best, one of the best Bond songs of all time. It's true, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good movie. It's, I mean, it's not, but it is. Dude, um, you get Grace Jones. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, uh, and Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's in it for a minute. And yeah. then, of, of course, um, what's his name? Oh, my God. Uh, Christopher Walken is the villain. Christopher Walken's the villain. Uh, have, that's a good yeah. one. Okay, uh, number nine, Fletch. Oh, yeah. Um, ninth highest grossing film of 1985. The eighth highest grossing film of 1985 is, was, It's Dirty Work. Police Somebody's Academy 2? Yes, their yes! first assignment. Uh, number seven was The Goonies. Of course. Uh, number six was Witness. Okay. Well, that's... Did Polanski do that? No, that was Frantic that Polanski did. Right. Uh, wit- is Witness Peter it's, Weir? It's, yeah, Peter Weir did that. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, yeah Harrison Ford with the Amish. Kelly McGillis. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, number five. And Lucas Haas. Little young Lucas Haas. Little Lucas buddy. And also, uh, who else was it? Uh, Alexander Gudinov. The, oh, holy shit. Yeah, really? Yeah, he was one of the Amish guys. Oh. Dan- you know he was a ballerina? No, I mean a dancer. Yes, he was a ballet dancer. Ballet yes. dancer. Ballerina, and he was fucking awesome. And he die was hard, cool. die hard man. <clears throat> uh, number five was uh, the old Steve Gutenberg has two movies on this list. Cocoon, oh, cocoon. yeah, <laughs> shot right, here, man. Yes, it was shot in, uh, in St. Pete. Yeah. Um, number four was Rocky Four. Okay, uh, that's Dolph the one with Lundgren the robot. Again? Yeah, that's the best Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> number three, Hello Polly. Number three was uh, uh. Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay. Which was, was George Cosmatos. Yeah. Or Sylvester Stallone, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Um, number two, which technically was released in 1984, but in December, and it still made it this far, was Beverly Hills Cop. Was the second highest grossing film. I saw that in the theater. No Actually, shit. I saw a lot of these movies in the theater, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> and then what do you think is the number one movie, if you have to guess? Uh, of 1985? Yeah. Back to the Future. That's right. Yep. You got it. <laughs> Yeah, man, 1985 was a hell of a year. It was also a hell of a year for horror films or genre films in general. Yeah, there it's it wasn't easy picking some of these movies. So no. are we okay? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna do we each picked. I'll be honest. I don't think I have 20. I think I have 19 movies. I think I have 23. <laughs> uh, okay, so it'll work out. So the idea that we'll do is we're each gonna name a movie. Mm-hmm. If it's on, if we both have the movie, then we'll discuss it. Okay, if not if only one of us has the movie we'll just do a quick it's little It's not even worth really mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck it. Okay, and then um whatever makes it in gets programmed. I'll make a little note here um on my things for movies that we say, yep, this works. Okay. So, uh Ooh, how do fancy schmancy. Who wants to go first? You want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. It's fine. Go, go ahead and uh Oh, and this will all culminate in our Whatever we think is the best movie, so save your best I'm movie saving for it. last. I got it. I got it marked, and I'm gonna save that one for last. And we have no idea save what we've picked. For last. I'm very curious. If I know we're gonna have some overlap, obviously. Oh, yeah, I'm very curious as to what your favorite of '85 was. Okay. Um. So, all right. Go ahead. What do you got first? Ghoulies. Ghoulies. That's on my list. <laughs> yes. We can talk about it. All right. Let's talk about it. Well, okay. First of all, we do have an episode where we talked about ghoulies. Yes. Um. That was in. Um, our Wizards and Warlocks episode, right? Yes, it was. That's in season yes, two was. here. Uh, so we really kind of get in depth. Yeah, we're about fucking bored. Ghoulies. 
he's fucking bort we can't talk say his name too loud otherwise he'll show up. <laughs> um, if we say his name we shall summon him beekler man yeah beekler was on a roll in the he 80s was, i mean really I, I think i'm like looking at the list of movies here and he's on he's involved in several of these movies on this list yeah um but john carl beekler special effects guru was really <laughs> working hard for Charles Band in 1985. Beards and, uh... and male pattern baldness. <laughs> <laughs> Ghoulies is so awesome. I just love the movie. Um, so, yeah, 1985, who did that one? Uh, um, who directed that? I'm already blanking on his oh, name. Oh, it was uh, uh, Luca Bercovici. Luca Bercovici, former actor. Honestly, for more information on this, I, I don't want to get into it, too. Actually, I don't want to... another movie that he did, actually, in 1985, I believe, was American Flyers. Oh, no shit. Yeah, Luca Bercovici was an actor in that movie in, in, uh, in 1985 with Kevin Costner. Okay, and he was also, you know, he was in... John Amos was in that, and Radon Chong, and uh, I'm trying to think who else. Which is weird, because... Ray, yeah, you know, did you ever see you you watch the show with Leah Schreiber, Ray Donovan, and it's not you would think Ray Don Chong, Chong would be in, be in it, but she's, she's not. not. No, she's not. Um, but she actually had a pretty busy year in 1985 as well. She but, did. What else was she in? I'll save that for oh, later. Okay. Hmm. I'm wondering what. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Okay. <clears throat> um. So Ghoulies. Ghoulies gets on. Come on, Ghoulies goes on the list. Yeah. All right. We're programming Ghoulies, even though technically. We've already programmed that for Dead City. Yeah, but this is kind of an outlier episode, yeah. so you know it's not really locked in the vault for this one. Okay, so Ghoulies was a great movie. Yes, um, it was. All right, let me go. I'll go. Let okay. me pick one. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to get this one out of the way. Get Be- it out because, of the way, dude. Because technically, it's not a genre film, although I would show it at a drive-in if we had a specialized screening for sex comedies okay which is not out of the question at no all it's not on, no in the not Dead at City all drive-in so i'm gonna put it in here uh it's one of my absolute favorites and i think it's one of yours i don't know i don't know i don't know what to say but i have police academy 2 on here do i have it listed on here i'm sorry dude i don't have it listed on my list but yes I police will. academy I, 2 i own it okay yeah how, how can you not actually i think jack holloway gave me that <laughs> well you know, i was at a white elephant party one year for christmas and this is like 15 years ago and jack brought that as the gift you know <laughs> and i was the one that got it did you like, did you have to fight over it with anybody fuck no because no? nobody <laughs> i think i think jack and i were the only ones that really had any appreciation for that movie at all so it's like yeah no I wasn't at that party, otherwise I would have snatched that shit. No, I would have bitch slapped you. Police Academy 2 is the best Police Academy. <laughs> if we re- and we'll save that for our next podcast. Uh, uh, getting Up and Goot is the name of it, and we talk about all the Police Academy movies, even though he's only in four. Um, all right, so that one does not make it to the list, unfortunately, but God rest ye merry Police Academies. Um, all right, go ahead. My next one, Braddock. Missing in Action 2. Ooh, that is not on my list. Okay, so we're going to scratch that one. So that one does not make it. So far, we only have Ghoulies added to the list. All right, I'm going to go with... um... Okay, here's one. Yeah, okay. Godzilla 1985. It is on my list. Hell yes, it's on my list. Yes. Okay, here's what I'll say. Godzilla 1985 is probably not the most action-packed Godzilla movie that you can see 
and I don't even know if it's the first one that I would show to somebody new to Godzilla. There's two reasons I love this okay, fucking movie. Okay, let's hear why. All right, two reasons is they had the foresight to fucking bring back Raymond Burr, yeah, which as... Raymond Burr is only in the American cut of the 1950s Godzilla. As not Dr. Gojira. Steve Martin... Um, but in the new version... Well, he's not a doctor. Or is it... Oh, he's, he's a, a reporter. reporter yeah, as he's a reporter. Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> the reporter. And then in the second one, Steve Martin was already a huge star. Yeah. So they couldn't... Did they just call him Mr. Martin? Yes. Or maybe Steve? Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they brought back Raymond Burr yes. in that movie, and it's like, oh, shit. You know, that's some continuity right there for you. That was my introduction to Raymond Burr. Yeah. Was this movie. Yeah. As really? A kid. Yeah. I didn't you know You never saw was. Perry Mason? Fuck no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> No, that's right. You're like, yeah. I'm right. only 12. Yeah. So the fact that I've seen I, I'm anything. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting that, you know, <laughs> all the hormone treatments and the hair on your face. I keep thinking that you're older, but I forget. I no, it's a good trick. I've yeah. fooled the world. So that and fucking hovercraft. <laughs> the fucking hovercraft. In yes. Fucking, the uh, Super X. Yes. Or, or is it Super X2 or whatever? Yeah, yeah man. Um, but yeah, this the, special weapon that they bring out to actually combat fucking Gojira. Yes, uh, that it's it goes back. So at this point, all the Godzilla movies we had gotten to like I think we were at like close to fifteen Godzilla movies at this point. Maybe is that all? Uh, the last Godzilla movie was at that time was Terror of Mega Godzilla. Okay, sometime in the seventies. I think maybe let's just say seven. I think seventy five. Okay, and then there's um, a big drought. Then 10 years, nine years, they were dormant, and then Toho decided to bring Godzilla back for, you know, it's 10 years later, and they did Godzilla, what was released in America is Godzilla 1985, and they brought it back to that somber tone, or they attempted to bring it back to the somber tone of the original. Godzilla was not a, you know, what was he, like a savior of Earth? He was a... uh, he, he doesn't was, trash shit for the sake of trashing shit. Right. And he's all about he's, sucking on radiation in yeah. the whole movie. It's There's giant Godzilla lice at the beginning of the movie. Godzilla is fucking cutting radiation lines yes. all throughout Tokyo and then snapping those manga ones up, man. It's a good movie. This, the, the, the effects are great. The practical effects, obviously, it's a man in suit the whole way through, but put up to a 1985 uh, perspective, so the model work is incredible. Godzilla looks nice and fierce. He's got his fangs back. Yeah. Um, sometimes he looks like my uh, my old cat. Every once in a while, I'll look at him and be like, oh, it looks like my cat Hobbs. He's got this like kind of like glazed over look of like, hey. Um he uh, just destroys everything, and then, of course, they shoot missiles at him. It's like a classic Godzilla movie, and I take back what I said about not showing it to people right off the bat. It is actually a really good introduction yeah. to Godzilla. Yeah. A um, lot of fun, and it jump-started a new era called the Heisei. How do you say it? H-E-I-S-E-I? Yeah. Heisei. Heisei series of Godzilla films that started with... Godzilla 1985, yeah, so or you, AKA The Return you got, of Godzilla. You've got, what, Showa, and then. Then Heisei. Heisei. Yeah. And the Heisei films ended with Godzilla versus Destroya. Destroya. Um, great series of films. Some of the best in the Godzilla series are in that era of Godzilla movies from 85 to 95. Yeah. That 10 years. Killer, killer series, killer run of films. Highly recommend. For burgeoning Godzilla fans, Gorgia. it's a good place to start. 
they get more fun too as it goes on. But yeah. all right, so Godzilla 1985 goes on it's the list. On the list, man. Yes, on the marathon along totally with Ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on the G's right I now. I love it. Godzilla and Ghoulies. All right, you're up. What do you got? All right, uh, the next one I'm going to pull out is. Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Ooh, you gonna get it now, bitch. <laughs> ooh, baby. Hey, baby. Yeah, ooh, oh, baby. Yes. Oh, relax, demon. You'll feel better after you shit. <laughs> you gotta love I'll feel some... better after I'm out of this shit. Out of this place, this shitbox is gross. Jr. So, Friday the 13th, part five is... You know what? Go ahead. No, this, I don't need to go ahead. I'm just going to say, that's all you need to watch this fucking movie for. It's on my list, too, by the way. Is Miguel Nunez. Friday Five is on my yes. list. Um, can I say something controversial here? Go right ahead. I know that Friday Five is considered um, to be the lower end of the spectrum of Friday 13th Well, movies. it was one of the ones that they kind of did the bait and switch and everybody was pissed. Which is strange, and I got to tell you... I don't have a problem with it. I really like... Okay, so the, let's get into that in a second. I just want to say that like it's considered one of the worst. I think it's up there with Jason Goes to Hell is also considered by fans to be lesser of the movies. Well, it's because you've got Steve Williams. If they'd have been Steve James... It would have been a different It would have been a story. different movie. Every you know, movie's not, better Not that I don't Steve like James. Steve Williams. Steve Williams is actually pretty good. He is great, yeah. but he's no Steve James. Yeah, it's true. Um, Friday Part 5 is always shit on and i find it incredibly well tell unfair. us brandon why is friday five always shit on well i think because it's the trashiest of all of the friday the 13th movies um i think you're being generous there do you think so i think it boils down to one simple thing it's not fucking jason oh you're dude you're totally right i'm sorry you're right and here here's the why i don't have a problem with that the movie that jump-started it all is the first Friday the 13th. Yes. And obviously, Jason's not the killer. Yes. I love the concept of Friday the 13th being a who's doing it movie. Yes. Like, I think that, not a whodunit, who's doing it, because it's well, here's, here's happening. Well, anytime that somebody tries to make a real creative decision when it comes to, like, some sort of franchise property, or I guess we should say an IP. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know. It sucks. <laughs> but anytime that somebody tries to do something, like, original... And not promoting just a bunch of fan service, people tend to shit on it. And that, you know, I don't know that I would say that the movie's original in any way, shape, or form, but it, look, I, I but I've, just, I've never understood the hate. It's, it, it parallels the first Friday of the 13th in many ways. You know, in, in the first Friday when Betsy Palmer shows up, it's a total cheat, you know, because you're like, huh? Killer mommy. Wait, so she's the killer. Kill we, we've never seen her the whole movie. She just shows up. It's a cheat. Okay, let's just call it for what it is. It's bullshit. Friday Part Five has the same thing. Like the guy would reveals who the killer is. Mm -hmm. I think everybody let out a collective. Huh? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, who? Who is that? And it's Roy the, the ambulance paramedic. What? It is. Yes, it is. And I'm stupid. sorry. He's not even a paramedic. He's the ambulance. The driver. ambulance driver. And it is stupid and ridiculous. But I, I don't think it's any more ridiculous than Betsy Palmer. Yeah. Um, showing up. Here's the thing. The movie delivers on almost every level. Unfortunately, '85 was an era for. Friday Thirteenth, where the MPAA was really cutting down. Yeah, they were cracking. Down. So it's not the goriest of the series, but it is a violent movie. There's something like twenty something deaths in the movie. 
and inbred rednecks too. Don't forget that there are. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of nudity. A lot of sex. It okay. There's a lot of diarrhea. And because <laughs> of so those lot. damn enchiladas. <laughs> but here's the you know like I, I really do. I legitimately love Friday Part Five. It's I consistently rank it in the highest because of the performance of Miguel Nunez Jr. He really who contributes. Had another, he's another actor. He had a great that year had that a year. Great year that year. And this is his first year working yeah. pretty much, or like bursting out onto the scene. And then like what bursting. a year, year and a half after that too, he gets fucking uh, tour of duty. Yeah, yeah. And you know that. Proved, I mean, that was then a great he becomes show for best him. friends with uh, Eddie Murphy, and the future was so bright he had yeah. to wear shades. Well, then there was Malcolm and Eddie. And, of course, Juana Man. And Juana Man, yeah. Um, Friday, part five, literally, it, it delivers in everything. But here's – so there's a cliche when people think about Friday Five, and it's usually like the parody versions of Friday the 13th, where it's like the killer with the with the hockey mask and the chainsaw. It is a blue hockey mask. You got to pass. <laughs> it is – like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Now, you know – it's directed by a guy named Danny Steinman, who made another movie. It's one of my favorite uh, drive-in movies of all time, called Savage Streets, which is incredibly tasteless and trashy. Trash. And Friday Five is the exact same way. In fact, some of the murders were so trashy that they had to reshoot them. The one character who's dancing to the robot, mm-hmm. there's a man with no life in his eyes. That's the song. <laughs> She originally got stabbed in her vagina, and they were like, Danny. <laughs> no. We can't allow vag stabbing. I'm no, sorry. No, so she gets stabbed in her stomach instead. Um, Just move it a couple inches up, okay, please? Thank you. Friday Five is awesome. It's great. And you know what else it has, by the way? And I this is for anybody who's like going, maybe I'll watch it again. Look. Keep an eye out for the art direction, the production design of Friday Thirteenth Part Five. I swear, I know it sounds ridiculous, is spot on. It is incredibly good. All of the thing. What the hell is that? <laughs> Somebody differing opinion Excuse over there. Me? It is incredibly good. All of the stuff, the the neon sign built for the trailer park, the the posters that are up in characters' rooms, all actually tell a story in the movie. It's full of detail. I think the problem, aside from the, the the ridiculousness of who the killer is and the fact that it's not real Jason, is that it's also not filmed great. It's kind of flat looking. The it's cinematography. Like, yeah, it's one of the least stylish looking movies of the Friday canon. But that said, yeah, the camera work is crap. But you know, there's... it is. But it it's. Always, put, it's workmanlike. It's always put in the right place, and like I said, it delivers on all the trashy goods. I fucking love Friday, the Thirteenth Part Five: A New Beginning. It's got some of the best looking women in the movies in the series. Um, uh, what's the what's the girl? The redhead, uh, Kim, uh, is it is her name Kimberly Cummings? Juliet Cummings is her name. Beautiful woman. Um, Melanie Kinnaman is a great she's a great final girl you get a Corey Feldman cameo come on Chris mm-hmm. what else do you have to say about this movie Miguel Nunez Jr. Miguel Nunez Jr. That's, that's, that's all I gotta say that's that's my entire reason for watching that movie oh and who's the little kid um, uh, the one who goes man you afraid of spiders you afraid of rubber spiders on strings man you was one scared cat what TV show is he on was that the same kid that was in the people under the stairs no 
I know who you're thinking of, but no, it wasn't him. No. Anyway, great cast. Tommy Jarvis is in this one, and he knows Kung Fu. Yeah. He beats the shit out of a redneck. Uh, dude, I I would go to the ends of the earth for Friday 13th Part 5. It's one of my very favorites. And that goes on That's a tall order. I don't know if I would quite do that, but you know what? I will support your right to do that. Yeah, Brandon. you know we've never tackled the Friday Thirteenth movies on this show. We and, have not. And we should probably run the series on that one. We should run the series on that because I, you got them all on Blu-ray. I do, and I and I love those movies uh, like unabashedly, all of them. And I've kind of been rewatching some of them again. Yeah, I've been wanting to feel like cozy lately again, and they're very cozy. I was just recently Does in it Orlando. Make you feel like you're at camp. Well, I, no, I was just, like the other night. I like literally <laughs> last week. I was up in Orlando, and I was in a hotel, and I was all by myself at this hotel, and I'm like. Oh, it's like cold Marriott, you know, just like, mm-hmm. uh, just cold. And I did, the internet cost money, and I was like, oh, fuck you, I'm yeah. not going to spend the money on the internet here. Exactly, no, you already spent the money on the hookers, and, <laughs> And you know, the blow, and, and, you know, I had to do something here, so uh, everybody was getting bored at this point. So I found out that we were, you could stream Showtime for free, and I nice. go through, and there's only two movies that were of any interest of me to stream, Friday 13th. Three and Friday Thirteenth Four, <laughs> so I watched Part Four. Actually, those are probably two of my favorites. Yeah, right there. so I'm watching Part Four, and I watched maybe like the first twenty five minutes of it, and I was like, I'm at home. I felt so warm and cozy. Yeah, these movies really just wrap me up. We should, we should do a run the series on Friday. All right, um, let's mark it down then. Okay, so Friday Part Five. Friday Part a New five. Beginning goes new beginning on the list. Is on the list. All right. So what are you going to pull out, my friend? Okay, I'm going to pull up a, or I want to talk about, well, maybe, a uh, oft-overlooked, although recently, because it's available on streaming, has been getting a little bit more attention, Buddy Cooper's The Mutilator. Not on my list. I know, I know. Actually, (laughs) it's funny because that was like the first movie that like when I was putting down my list, The Mutilator was the first movie I put down. It was it was for me, too. And then I actually, believe it or not, I crossed it off. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? I always I love that movie. I always watch it. I I actually I need to go back and watch it again. But because I hadn't seen it and I didn't I knew I wasn't going to get a chance to go back and rewatch it again. Um I, I said, you know what? I, it's not fair for me to go ahead and put this one down. So. Yeah, the Mutilator is a uh, a great zero budget, uh, you know, not zero, but very low budget slasher movie. What, where is it? Oh, there yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is so, right so, there on the like top my, of your list. The there. top of my 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 initial list. You know, I like I, I wrote down like fifty five movies from nineteen eighty five, and then when I went through and pared them down, Mutilator was actually the first one to go. Well, what's good is we can save Mutilator for an episode sometime yeah, and really absolutely. delve into because it it's absolutely worth delving into. I will say this about it though, before we move on to the next movie. Um, for years it was in one of these Fangoria's uh, as the aforementioned Scream Greats pull-out posters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in... So Fangoria, if, in case you don't know, Fangoria, the incredible magazine horror magazine, for a few years was doing this thing where the cover page was a pull-out poster. And this was like a trend in the 80s for a lot of magazines, wrestling magazines and obviously centerfold pornos that kind of stuff but yeah but it's not a centerfold it's actually a front page fold which in a way was very frustrating because you had to ruin the the fucking cover of your thing but there was one issue had um a picture of a character from the mutilator who has been mutilated with an outboard motor and one of the most ridiculous deaths in the movie makeup effects by mark showstrom 
by the way, one of his first films that yeah. he ever did, our buddy Mark. Um, he this incredible makeup job on this actor, this like kind of doofus, like a uh, hayseed guy. And the picture was in Fango in this pullout poster. And it's him sitting in a, like a director's chair, reading Fango with this body appliance. And I, for years I was like, what the fuck is this from this gory, disgusting still that I, I, I couldn't find out what movie it was. And it wasn't until somebody released the mutilator recently, like a, you know, a, a good quality version of it that I was like, was it Arrow that it. put it out? I don't know. I don't know who it was. Worth seeking out. I mean, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. So um, unfortunately, it doesn't make it to our screening. Yeah. But um, maybe it'll make it to a future episode. So so long, mutilator. We hardly knew ye. Yeah. All right, your churn. Your churn. All right. Well, um, 1985. I know for me in particular was a fucking crazy year for martial arts. Mm. I was all about martial arts movies in 1985, man. I loved them. And this was one of the movies that really, uh, you know, because I was born in in the late 70s and everything, uh, I did not really get to experience, you know, the the first run of Bruce Lee being a a fantastic, you know, motion picture phenomenon and everything. But uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Oh. Not on my list. Oh, well, fuck you. Well, I'm ashamed to say <clears throat> that. What what, did, what kind of movie did you call this? Martial arts. Martial. Okay. I martial mean, it's arts martial movie. arts, black exploitation. You know, uh, Timac playing Bruce Leroy. Well, here's the thing, Chris. <laughs> I, I'm ashamed to say that I a blind spot in my um, cinematic ouvroir is martial arts. Films. Really, there are a handful that I could talk to you all day about then we need to do yeah. a, a serious kind of sit down and everything because when i got my very first dvd player 23 years ago and everything i mean i got a dvd player and if you don't know what a dvd player is <laughs> yeah i know I it's know. like a vcr but with flat discs it's like you know i used to work in a video store and of course so the, things, were, things were still vhs at the time and everything and slowly you know dvd the new format was starting to kind of creep in and everything and you know me being wait, 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 wait. What video store did you work in? Uh, first, I worked in Turtles, Music and Movies. No. Yes. Really? Turtles, yep. And then uh, the Turtles that I worked at actually got bought out by Blockbuster, and they had a new concept at the time called Blockbuster Music. So actually, Blockbuster was trying to get into the music store business, and so they converted us into a music store for Blockbuster and started to phase out our movies. Okay. And then uh, after that transition, which was like it lasted a month, and then they closed the store down. <laughs> but I would, I wound up getting actually a job at Blockbuster Video proper after that, okay. which sucked because like the uniforms that we were allowed to have for Blockbuster Music was khakis and a navy blue polo shirt. When I went to Blockbuster Video, it was khakis and a light blue Oxford shirt. Okay, I don't want to hear it, Chris, because my first job was at Hollywood Video, which, no offense, the superior video chain to Blockbuster blew Blockbuster away. Oh, absolutely. It's because you guys could actually have trashy movies. We sure did. We had a whole cult section. Yeah, it was. we were not allowed to have that. To this day, aside from what we do here, the best job I have ever had. Yeah. And um, to this day, I wish I could still work in a yeah, video store. But I, it, things, when I was at Turtles, it was much the same way. But you're talking about what you had to wear. What I had to wear at Hollywood Video were black 
leather chaps black chaps um a white a red ball gag a white um dress shirt tucked in with a cummerbund bow tie and garish vest that had day glow like hollywood hollywood light how the, many pieces of flash do you have yeah uh, no none of that but that like i had to wear a fucking cummerbund every day <laughs> to work and a bow tie so i don't want to hear it i would have loved to have had a polo shirt all right anyway what are we talking about uh we were talking about uh barry gordy's the last Dragon. oh sorry so anyway i mean around this time you had uh yes you know the last dragon with bruce leroy and you also had uh huh no retreat no surrender lee bruce leroy yeah timax character in the movie his name is leroy but he likes to be called Bruce Leroy because he's a student of the martial arts. Okay. He's this black guy that's living, you know, in, in, I don't even know if they'd like say what the city is. I don't, I don't think it's New York. Wait, we're not allowed to talk about the movie that much. Okay. Well, anyway, check it out because you get the fucking Shogun of Harlem and you got that glow. You're feeling it. And you got that glow. Oh man. I'm sold <laughs> yeah, on that no, song no, alone. Go, yeah. Wait, well, is it like a good violent? Like, is it like a good um, kind of chop uh, Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it's cheesy as fuck. Well, but I fucking love it. You yeah, know, it's it's so 1980s. Yes, uh, Timac moves well. Vanity was in that movie. Ooh, yes. How is she? Because you know what movie she shines in? Action Jackson. She's incredible in that. Yeah, she like was so good. Oh, holy shit! Is Action? What year is that movie? Action Jackson was 1989, 88. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I was close. Yeah. Okay. This, I think, might have been like her first movie. You know, it's like she had been working with Prince, you know, kind of his protege. Yeah. Um, and then with Vanity Six. But uh, anyway, yeah. But seriously, if you don't have like a whole thing, when I going back to my like original story with the DVD player. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oh my so, god. Anyway, when Close I got my, all those tabs, when I got my first this. DVD player, I said, you know what? I'm going to build my collection in DVDs, but I'm going to limit myself for one year to three types of movies. Okay. Anime, Vincent Price movies, and martial arts flicks. Okay. So I said for the first year that I own this thing, because these were things that, like, in my uh, in my VHS collection, I was sorely lacking. Sure. Sorely lacking. So I said, let's let's bolster these three, you know, genres or these three aspects of, of you know, film that I just don't own a whole lot of. And so that was the uh, the rule that I set for myself. So we're going to get you to watch some fucking martial arts. I'm you know, down. If, if we have to do a fucking show all on fucking martial arts movies. Hey, I'm we'll down. Do Look, here's the the thing I had with it. At the time. Actually, dude, you still have my fucking Lone Wolf and Cub DVDs. I do have them, but they're all I know exactly where they are. <laughs> Did you watch them? <laughs> no. Fuck you. No, I haven't watched them yet. Um, but. So you're doing yourself a great disservice. I know I am. I know I am. Maybe I don't want to watch them with. I, maybe Dude, I want look, you to look, watch them with there's me. There's titties I, and violence in it. Okay? I know, but I think I want to watch them with you. I think I want to have. All right. Let's okay. do a fucking. Let's do a whole lone wolf and cub night. But I do want to explain myself about my why I have a martial arts blind spot. At the time that I was seeking out genre films in general, um, this was really it was pre-DVD or mm -hmm. DVD was burgeoning. It was just kind of coming into the market and um, all we had were VHS. Yeah. So at the time, if you wanted to, like all of these VHS versions of martial arts films were the shittiest 
pan and scan or cropped terrible quality just like the first time i ever watched uh full cheese zombie 2 yeah was like the sh- i was like this f- what the fuck this movie sucks because of the quality of that vhs yeah. tape now that's one of my favorite well, zombie the, films that's of- the beautiful thing about the format of dvd is that it allowed us to actually have great fucking transfers well, of like all the Shaw Brother yeah, Hong that's Kong the thing. martial so arts I films I finally started watching those dude I mean those yes. two alone Shaw Brothers and Fulci movies fucking benefited so it, it, much dude, it blew my mind DVD. that when I finally saw Zombie 2 in you know anamorphic widescreen and I've got the fucking collector's edition of that yes, on DVD here, not on here. Blu-ray but on DVD oh, I have a few versions but anyway I when I saw that I was blown away that I was like oh my god this movie is it's actually gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. Same with the Shaw Brothers movies, some of those martial arts ones that I was like, oh, this is fucking gorgeous. So that's why I have a blind spot all for right. them. Well, we're going to fucking fix that. Let's move on. We're, we're okay. taking too much time on this. That's okay. It's okay. We got all the time in the world. We have all the time in the world. She's only sleeping. Or what does he say at the end of the She's resting. She's resting. I'm a terrible actor. Um, okay, so... This never happened to the other fellow. <sighs> We're saving that for our James Bond podcast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Coming soon. We're going to fucking do that, man. I'm telling you. All right. Uh, so is it my choice, then? Yes, it's your okay. choice. Go. Um, throw it out there, man. Throw well, it out there. I'm going to just follow in your footsteps of martial arts movies here, and I'm going to throw out 1985's American Ninja. Why the f- Oh, yeah, no, okay, I'm sorry. There, there it is. Yes, it's on my list. Sorry. It is? I was like, okay. Yes, I fucking have this movie on my list, goddammit. I knew I had it. So we there can talk about of, American let's Ninja. Let's talk about American Ninja. All right, American Ninja is um, Sam Furstenberg, director Sam Furstenberg. And right now, Brandon's got a huge boner for Sam Furstenberg. I love Sam. Um, love his love his dedication to the craft. The dude is one of the hardest working directors in that period of time uh, in the 80s, worked for Canon Films. Um, and if you haven't heard our last episode, we get Talk into him films. a little bit for and, uh, yeah, he winds up getting a fucking Sam Furstenberg Lucinda Dickey double feature. That's right. Spoiler. Um, American Ninja is Michael Dudikoff in the starring role um, uh, as a, uh, a U- what is he, a U.S. Army private? Yeah. He just like starts. Um, who's very laconic. <laughs> doesn't say a whole lot. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Starts to rub a bunch of people the wrong way, one of them being the late, great Steve James. Steve James, um, Love who is Steve one James. of our favorite... Love uh, Steve James. Um, just exploitation actors, really. I mean, yeah. he, he he was a very charming guy. He was one of those actors that you just go, God damn, dude. Like, he was fucking handsome. He yep. had a great fucking voice, man. I love Steve James's voice. And he was a great actor. He was he was very funny and charming yep. and, and, and likable. And a fucking killer physique, too, man. Yeah. Um, really ridiculous movie. I mean, mileage may vary based on how much you can dig... Dudikoff. Because this was shot in the Philippines, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, this, by the way, Chuck Norris was supposed to be the star of this movie. Oh, yeah? And he decided he didn't want to do it. He turned it down at the last possible minute. Huh. Um, and I think, is this the one? I think, oh, you know how you know what the story, how the story goes? Furstenberg had just done back-to-back movies for canon. He had done um, 
Breaking Two, he had done Ninja Three, and he had uh, he was tired he was burned mm-hmm. out he'd done a several movies for them so and his wife was pregnant with their child and she was about to give birth and Menachem Golod calls him out he was like we need you to direct um American Ninja with Chuck Norris you have to do it we're having a meltdown here it's not the the, the movie's a disaster and Furstenberg was like I'm not going to do it my child is about to be born I'm about to have a child and Menachem did not understand he was like, "You're telling, you're putting a child ahead of a movie," and so uh, Furstenberg disappeared. He hid out. I think he went back to Israel. I think <laughs> I, I can't remember exactly, but he got an apartment. He hid out. His child, uh, you know, was birthed, and he was able to do it. But he ended up his child was birthed. <laughs> but he was able to. He was able to uh, go back. Anyway, he went back. And ended up directing the movie, and at the last second, Chuck Norris was like, I'm not fucking doing this shit, I'm not doing this movie. And it wasn't as big of a disaster as Menachem had stated, it just turns out he needed somebody to run the production. So Furstenberg directed it. I'm sure that's not interesting to anybody, but it's... I'll tell you something that it would be interesting to everybody, though. What? Judy Aronson. Judy Aronson. Judy Aronson, um... A year out from maybe the same year, but as uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Four, a uh, year before eighty four yeah. was that. so. But another good year for Judy Aronson because she has another movie that comes out that year that's high profile. But we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay, cool. Um, wow, you know it's just that one of those fucking years, man. Because I, it's like I've got so many movies in this list where I'm like, oh yeah, this person's in that movie too. Yeah, dude, American Ninja is a lot of fun. Good, good, uh, good action movie, competently directed, um, very cool fight choreography. And this is like one of the premier movies of the whole ninja boom of the '80s. There, I mean, everybody, everybody knows American Ninja. Well, isn't that? I mean, well, I guess Enter the Ninja. And Revenge of the Ninja came before, but American Ninja, this one. I mean, this is really like, you know, this oh, is yeah, what cements it, yeah. Jump-started that whole... Well, and that fucking cover box, too. <sighs> and there's a whole shitload of sequels to American Ninja, by the way. American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. American Ninja 3, Blood Hunt. American Ninja 4, The Annihilation. And then, of course, American Ninja 5. The, the Suppositories. No, no, so- <laughs> Uh, okay, so we both picked that, so that Hell goes yeah. that goes on, on our list, list huh? Put it on the list, yes. Now, whose choice was that? Was that your choice or mine? Uh, that was your choice. Okay, so you're up. So my choice, okay. Um, this is a This movie. is fun. Yeah, I know. I'm having a good time. <laughs> uh, this next movie has a real soft spot in my heart, man. I, I love this movie. Some people may shit on it, but I absolutely love it. It's an omnibus movie of Stephen King tales, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye. Not on my list. Fuck you! Not on my list. And I am not really a fan. Well, you can kiss my rosy red ass. Yeah. Tell, what do you like? Why Why do you like this movie? Um. Once again, it's an anthology. Yeah. So it's a bunch of Stephen King sto- short stories. Uh, from the director been... of Cujo. Yes. Louis Teague and Alligator, which yes. is coming out on Blu-ray. Finally, after all these years. Sorry. Excellent. Close that tab. Yep. And we could talk about that all night too. But I, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna get into that. But cats, I, yeah, I love it. You know, the fucking troll at the end. Used it's to three scare, stories, right? Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's Quitters Incorporated. Yeah, which is from um, Night Shift. Yes, if I, or is it? Yeah, it's from Night Shift with um, James Woods having the ledge. To quit cigarettes. The Ledge, which is also from Night Shift. 
It is. Which, is that? Is it Robert Hayes in that? Yes, it's Robert Hayes. Okay. And Kenneth McMillan, who was both in Salem's Lot and was also the Baron Harkonnen in uh, David Lynch's Dune. Wait, who is he in Salem's Lot? He's uh, Parkins Gillespie. He's the constable. Uh, oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then the third story is the Kenneth general. McMillan. I'm sorry. Did I say Ken- David that, McMillan? Yeah, Kenneth. Kenneth McMillan. I'm sorry. I fucked that up. And the third story is The General, which I think was an original tale written for the movie yeah. with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. Anthology film with a cat as the wraparound. Um, not, not, I don't know why. I, I just, I think it's because I was the right age when the movie came out. I yeah. mean, I saw it like on HBO, like the year after it was released. So it's like 86 when I saw this. It was still kind of, you know, you know, I was still kind of new to horror at the time and everything yeah. like that because there was a lot of things that I was just not allowed to watch. Uh, but that was one of them. And that movie scared the hell out of me. Uh, the idea of, you know, taking your wife and putting her inside a fucking, you know, electric booth that they would shock the shit out of her, you know, and everything <laughs> that scared the crap out of me, cutting people's fingers off because you can't quit smoking. Now, do you know that originally um, that some of these stories were uh, uh, bought, licensed, what's the word I'm looking for? Dollar Babies? Um, before Dollar Babies existed oh. by Milton Sabotsky. Amicus oh, yeah? Films was going to make a night shift um, oh, that been anthology cool. with... Uh, Quitters Inc. and I believe The Ledge, and then there was w- another one I can't recall off the top of my head what it was, and then Battleground. D- I think it was Battleground. God, I think it was awesome. Battleground, and then De Laurentiis ended up buying the rights and making Cat's Eye. Yeah. Sabotsky sold to. Well, anyway, I, like I said, it's got a soft spot in my heart. We're not going to talk about it because nope. you didn't have it it's on your off list, the list. But, you know, okay. Well, then, how about this? I'm going to go for my next choice, uh, which I doubt is on your list, mm. <laughs> but it is. Parallel to yours, it is an anthology film mm-hmm. from 1985 called Night Train to Terror. Not on my list. Not on your list. No. Okay, so we won't really talk about it. Um, I and will... actually, I don't think I know that movie. So I got a uh, collection of DVDs years ago when they were doing this, like, um, of, like, drive-in movies or, or you know, like, horror movies or whatever. It was like a, 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 like a bunch of a hundred or yeah. something. And this is one of them. And all shit transfers, I'm sure. T- awful. Hideous, disgusting movies. I learned um, my lesson pretty quickly on those types of collections. Yeah, me too. But every once in a while, they deliver the goods. And this is one of them. And actually, another movie on my list is was introduced to me via this uh, method as well. Um, but I, we obviously we can't get into it too much, but Night Train to Terror is an anthology film um, that was kind of cobbled together, similar to how like that movie uh, Spookies was mm-hmm. created. Like it was supposed to be cobbled together from uh, like another feature that didn't get finished, another feature that didn't get finished, and then a short film, and they edited it down and made three movies, but it's John Philip Law, Oh, okay. Is in it. Uh, Cameron Mitchell is in Duran, it. Duran Duran. Um, Richard Mole is in it, and uh, in all these different weird anthologies, uh, all about the whole concept is um, God and Satan are on a train discussing um, the fate of like three different people. Like that's the setup for the stories. Oh, that sounds fucking awesome. God is played by Ferdy Main. Oh. 
yes. <laughs> and Satan is Tony Giorgio. Yes. And they... Uh, Count mean, von Kralak from uh, Dance of the Vampires. And actually, believe it or not, Freddie Main is on another movie on my list here, too, uh, uh, that we'll, maybe we'll get to... Freddie Main uh, was in Conan, too. No, I'm sorry. He was in Conan uh, the two? Destroyer. Conan yeah. 2. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, it's a terrible movie that has got these incredible dance numbers where the people on the train break the fourth wall and do these. It, it, it's cocaine the movie. Nice. Night Train of Terror is a lot of fun. Do drugs and watch it. You won't be uh And that's the same. a dead city drive-in recommendation. <laughs> but we're crossing it off our list, unfortunately. <laughs> Night Train of Terror. Holy shit. Um, okay, so you're up. All right. Uh, since we're in 1985, okay, I'm going to take two of my favorite things, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers, and we're going to talk about, well, I don't know, we probably not on your list, Crime Wave. Crime Wave is not on my list. Well, once again, Brandon, what have <clears throat> I been saying every time that you give me that response? Fuck you. Fuck you! <laughs> yeah, Crime Wave. <laughs> Crime Wave. Love that movie. That was Sam Raimi's second film. Yep. Um, took him a while to get it made. He did it with the Coen brothers um, as a, they were co-writers yes. on the film. And a notoriously troubled film. Yeah. Notoriously troubled. But it's so fucking batshit crazy. The producers really movie. got involved and fucked up all the casting. They cast the worst leading man for the role. It should have been Bruce. Um, well, Bruce is in the movie. Yeah, but he should have been the lead. Yeah. And wildly filmed i i've only seen it once and i remember i rented really? it i've only mm -hmm. seen it once but there's one thing i remember i will always remember from the movie and it's one of the characters like a big hulking it's fucking paul l smith dude. oh is that who it is okay it's a coen brothers yeah, staple okay you have like the, the blustering you have, you have fat the, man the, the 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 rat catchers yes which is a combination of fucking brian james that's right brian james and paul l smith so is it paul smith the thing only thing i really remember from the movie is a character smashing through walls. Yeah, that's and Paul it's one long tracking shot that like tracks along with him from the side as they go through. I, it's so dynamically filmed as only Sam Raimi at his about to be peak, as he proved a couple and of years later with too. his next movie. He's working. He's firing on on, on all cylinders, but unfortunately, man, get a good producer because he got they got fucked with that movie yeah. and that's the reason why it it's not on my list yeah. because it's for me a movie where i'm like could have been awesome it was on heavy rotation uh on hbo in the day and i right. watched it many a time yeah yeah well sorry crime wave also known as the xyz murders yeah um you're not on the list unfortunately you didn't make it to the program yeah okay all right um, Cross it off. What's he, what, do you, what do you got, Brandon? Come on. Give me something better then. Come on. Well, how about we do... Uh, mm, well, why don't we do... Why don't we talk about... Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. There's, there's so many good, fun choices here. Okay. I hinted at Ferdy Main. I'm going to talk about another Ferdy Main movie. Probably not. But the other movie on my list here is... Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Not on my list. Why would it be? It is... Because it is horrible. It is, it is a terrible movie. I cannot... 
It is fucking help myself. I put that movie on at least once a year. I can't give my full attention to the movie. It's it it doesn't des- it's never deserving of it. It's so what like when you're waxing your taint and everything. Yeah, you just I'll put like, it on. Oh, let's just put Howling Two. I'll put on, it on yeah. in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, they're I... getting hairy. I'm going to get D hairy. <laughs> but Ferdy Main is in it as a werewolf. Well, um, the only thing I would recommend is it's got Christopher Lee in these really awesome white sunglasses and you know you need to see at least just google the image but don't watch the movie um and you know what we should probably save howling because i think maybe one day we'll kind of get into the howling series too the series on that one yeah the howling is a series of films that is all over the place incredible yeah but all under yeah like literally you start you peak in the very first movie steepest drop off i've ever seen you go from the howling to Howling 2, your sister's werewolf, a.k.a. Howling Sturba, werewolf bitch. Mm-hmm. Sybil Danning is the star. She rips her top open. Uh, Which she does that in every movie she does. Yeah, you're right. She does. Anyway, Howling 2, you're off the list. Sorry. Sorry. Great Blu-ray was put out a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. All right, Chris, what do you got? Uh well, I'm going to kind of follow along in my whole Vietnam thing here. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Rambo First Blood Part 2. It's not on my list. But here's the thing, man. I, w- I would have put it on my list, but I'm, I, I'm, I've only seen it twice. And it's been so long since I've seen that movie that I was not prepared to talk about it, like, in depth. Because... Anyway, go ahead. Fine, that's fine. Sylvester Stallone. You get Martin Cove in there. Charles Napier. Directed by George, George P. Cosmos. Cosmatos. Written by James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, It is a fun action movie. Oh, yeah. Totally different from the first film. Yeah, completely different. Totally different. Like the first movie is actually kind of serious and it uh, t- takes takes a, you know, a, a serious look at how the fucking veterans were treated like shit when they returned home from Vietnam. This movie is like, okay, we're going to go back and since we lost this war, Sylvester Stallone and of course Chuck Norris in Mich- Missing in Action 2 are going to rewin it for us. Right. Right. It does have a great I do remember um the love a uh, love interest getting just like brutally murdered like halfway through the movie before even <laughs> I'm trying to remember what's that actress's name because she showed up a whole bunch. She it's was not, like what's her name? It's not the woman from uh Predator, is it? No, 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 no. It's a different actress. Uh and I'm trying I can see her face and I can't remember her name. She was in Star Trek the Next Generation as kind of like a bit player. Julia Nixon? Yeah. Is that I right? Is that her yeah. name? Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Or was it Stephen Burkhoff? No, Stephen Burkhoff's <laughs> the bad guy in that movie. <laughs> Julia Nixon, Agent Ko Fong Pao. Ko Fong Pao. Yep. I like the movie. I just, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you. I can tell you much more about the first Rambo. I could tell you a lot more about Rambo 4, which is like probably my favorite of the series. <laughs> Um, on, and I do love the first Rambo, especially uh, well, first blood. First is blood is insane, man. Like that monologue that he dude, gives at the end of the fucking movie—it's heart wrenching. Anybody that says that Sylvester Stallone is a shitty actor, dude, I'm so glad you said that. It uh, that monologue is so good, but 
But that's unfortunately first blood. that's neither here nor and there. And of course, he gives another monologue at the end of Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Yeah, that's right. Those guys in there <laughs> spilling their guts. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that didn't make it on my list, so. Okay. Well, I'll that's cross off. it off. Okay. Um, well, then I'm going to go ahead and I, I, I'm just going to say this one so we can maybe get it out of the way. Uh, no, I'm, that's not true. I'm going to save it. No, no, no. I'm just going to get it out of the way. All right. Here we go. Way. Get out of the way. Come on. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, okay. Freddy's Revenge. It's on my list. Okay. So, first and foremost... Guys, we uh, we have uh, an episode, uh, a commentary episode available of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, mm-hmm. Freddy's Revenge. Um, I love this movie. It's only gotten... It was the first Nightmare movie I saw. Really? Yeah. So I don't want to... We won't delve into it too much here because we really get into the nitty gritty of it, I think, on the, on the actual episode. But um, I always... And maybe I even say this in the episode. I don't really remember, but I like. I always wonder. I always wish I could have been like my age now in 1985, sitting in the theater watching. Yeah. We do. We talk about that okay. actually in in the commentary because it's such a bizarre movie that really has absolutely almost no respect for the movie that came before. It's yeah. it's probably one of the most cynical cash grab sequels ever made. That said, you get to see Bob Shea. <laughs> In a leather bar, a leather tinning daddy. bar. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Jack Shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I. It, it, it's only again. It's kind of like a Friday Part Five. I, you know, obviously Nightmare Two has has grown um, in esteem, especially well, and in Scream in, Queen in, now is Scream really Queen, kind the of documentary the whole thing and in back. queer cinema in general. It's kind of become its own thing. I always like to look at it from. like a horror sequel perspective just because it's so bizarre set aside like four hours and go watch never sleep again which is the excellent documentary nightmare documentary that goes through the entire franchise of the nightmare on elm street movies and they do not give short shrift to nightmare 2 they really kind of talk this movie quite a bit and also see see scream queen with mark Patton. i mean yeah. it's it's actually it's a, it's a really good documentary and too. listen to our commentary and listen to our it's commentary. a lot of fun and but that's all you, know, you got to do i will tell you this too i will also say yeah the scariest freddy krueger yeah, in the entire series really frightening and the Very makeup is excellent in it yes um, I, I love Nightmare 2. I really do. I love yeah. it. I love it. There's stuff where you're like, huh, it is very 1985, mm-hmm. but it is a... And Clue Gulliger. Oh, how can you go wrong? Which actually, Clue had a great year in 1985. He oh sure my God, did. Man. He sure did. Everybody's just... It's a great year for 1985 is a great cinema. year. I wish we were living in it. Well, yeah. maybe we will a little bit by programming these features. Okay, so Nightmare 2, you've made it to our list. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, then you're up, Chris. All right. So uh, the next film on here, which I'm sure I'm, I'm, I can almost guarantee you do not have it on here, but this was a life-changing movie for me. Um, Miyazaki's Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Of the Valley of the Wind. Oh, man. It is not on my list. But, dude, you're saying it's a life-changing movie. I think I need to. you need to have some room to talk about that. I saw this movie once again on HBO. It was the American edit called Warriors of the Wind, uh, which is kind of a shitty cut, actually. I'll, I'll, you know, it was one of those movies that, like, I saw it 
a couple of times when they aired it and everything and then didn't see the movie again for 15 years. And I was in college and I had a roommate, a really cool roommate, a guy by the name of Chris Ledford, who if Chris, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. You're a cool cat. Um, but anywho, uh, he was a huge anime fan. And I said, you know, there was this movie that I saw back in 1985, 1986 that um, I've, I can't find anywhere. And it's about and I kind of explained the plot to him and everything. He says, oh, that's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Um, and it expanded my idea of what a story could be. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's such a work of imagination, uh, that of course Miyazaki does probably better than anybody really. What I else mean, has Miyazaki done? Oh my God. My, I mean, all the Studio Ghibli stuff is pretty much Miyazaki. Okay. So Howl's Moving Castle, okay. Porco Rosso. Um, one of the most celebrated yeah, directors. Princess Mononoke. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but this was, and actually this is a, they, they consider it kind of like, a, a, it's been retconned to be con- considered a Studio Ghibli movie, even though Studio Ghibli did not exist at the time. But a lot of the people that worked on this movie wound up going to Studio Ghibli. Um, so, uh, yeah. But anyway, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic environmentalist tale about this princess who, uh, you know, lives in this this valley of the wind. No, no, no. You, you can't talk about the movie, oh, yeah, but you can talk, talk about how it changed your life. Yeah, but anyway, it did. It changed my my perspective as to what a story could be. Okay. And it was probably like the first real, like... Anime, anime. I mean, there had been a lot of Japanese stuff that I had seen up to that point. You know, I was a Voltron fan. Um, G-Force, you know, Battle of the Planets, uh, Robotech, you know, a.k.a. Macross and stuff were a lot of things that I had watched and stuff as a kid. Um, Transor Z, also known as uh, Mazinger Z, you know, just all these American, you know, cuts of these Japanese, you know... But this was like the first feature film that I had seen as opposed to like a television show. Um, and it just it blew my little but mind. But does it deliver in the drive-in goods? I think so. There's tons of violence. Okay. Um, there's monsters. Yeah. There's a giant acid forest and everything. Um, and of course, they did a new version. You know, They remastered the movie, put it on Blu-ray, re-recorded uh, with big actors. Patrick Stewart wound up doing some of the, you know, voice. just they got a lot of, uh, you know, heavy hitters like they did with Princess Mononoke sure. and uh, gave it like a nice release and everything. I, I love this movie. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But we won't talk about it. You will have to seek it out because it will not make it to our programming for 1985. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead with my next choice. And I'm going to throw out. Well, I'm going to throw out another movie that I I legitimately love um, that I (laughs) uh, that I doubt made it to uh, both both of our lists together. Um, And that is 1985. Don Dollars, The Galaxy Invader. Nope. Didn't make your list? No. Nope. All right. Um, I, think, I think it was on my initial list, but I pared down from there. And uh... I think that we will at some point go down this rabbit hole a little deeper. I would love, Chris, to do an episode on regional horror. It is a regionally made horror film um, by a man named Don Dollar. Uh, 
who made movies for next to nothing. He's the invent the creator of Cinemagic magazine. Did um, not use a lot of dollars to make this. Movie. No, he did not. He did not. And there is actually an excellent documentary about him uh, called Blood, Boobs, and Beast that Troma distributed. That actually is kind of what uh, I'll put balanced him out for me. But Galaxy Invader is one of the movies that was um, on my like public domain kind of blue, uh, DVD 100 movies mm-hmm. set that I put in one night and I was like, what the fuck is this? It ha- It's everything that I love about horror. It's zero but micro budget. Micro budget wasn't even a word then. It's zero budgets when you could actually do this. Zero budget and it wears its heart on its sleeve and it is full of stop motion monsters and man in suit and composite like where they hand draw laser beams on top of the film mm-hmm. and the worst acting you've ever seen awkward performances still dialogue they made a fucking movie and they you sure did <laughs> and it made and it made pretty good money for everybody uh don dollar made other movies like night beast uh the alien factor fiend um he has since passed away but Truly, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, worst city in the world. No offense to everybody who's in Baltimore, but at least it brought us Don Dollar. And The um, Wire. And The Wire, of course. <laughs> uh, so, Galaxy Invader, I love you. I love you, Galaxy Invader. All right, Chris, Back you're to up. Me? Back to you. I oh. think, by the way, looking at my list here, I have a feeling that we're going to be... In sync for a lot all, of these other movies. Yeah, 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 I do. Okay, okay. so go ahead. All right, um... I'm going to go visit a friend of ours who passed away about a year and a half ago. Larry Cohen. Mm-hmm. The Stuff. On my list. On your list. Yeah. I love Larry the stuff. Cohen's The Stuff. Love The Stuff. His satire on commercialism. With an incredible performance by Michael Moriarty. Yes. As a... Uh, and Garrett Morris. And Garrett Morris. Uh, um Michael Moriarty is an industrial spy, but it has one of the best openings. Like the this shit just comes bubbling out yep. of the ground, and some dip just like goes right up to it and eats it, and goes, "Holy shit! This this disgusting spooge tastes incredible." And we're gonna now market it, yep, patent it, sell it. Paul Sorvino's in the movie. Oh. Yeah, he is. Killer Dobermans are in yeah. the movie. The stuff is batshit insane, but it is Larry Cohen at his best. It's yeah. like it is the if you don't know, the plot of the movie is about this goo that comes bubbling out of the ground of these and America decide the corporate America decides to make it a product and sell it and it It's like some cross between like yogurt and fucking ice cream and cool whip. Yep. And uh, it turns out that this stuff is actually alive. (laughs) And by eating it, it takes over the people that actually eat it to where they begin to crave it all the time. And it creates a kind of a it's it's almost like invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, But I mean, once again, just the satire on fucking American consumer culture, the health craze that was happening in the 1980s. And it's it's so pertinent. It's like the things that you're about to start saying, like the health craze of the eighties and like, like with the, uh, you know, low fat yogurt or whatever, like all of that, uh, that you would go, okay, well that's lost on me. It's still, if you eat kale mm-hmm. or, you know, 
anything that's like a superfood, yep. you've fallen for this marketing and this movie has got you Or if you, you intermittent fasting. Yeah, <laughs> this movie has you pegged. Also, by the way... The Bloom Brothers are in it, too. Who? The Bloom Brothers. They're the kids. Oh, that, the that's family. what I was going to yeah. say. One of the best child performances of the 80s. Yep. The kid uh, uh, that plays the kid. Yeah. He's got a it's great actually scene. He and his legitimate in real that's life older right. brother that's right. are in this movie. Michael Moriarty is wonderfully weird as usual. It's got a really great, just mean-spirited um, to the corporation cynical ending. Mm-hmm. That great comeuppance for the villains of the movie. Dude, the stuff is killer. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. And the fucking makeup effects in this movie are awesome. My only criticism for it is that, like, it feels like a lot of Larry Cohen stuff. It's like, you know, Larry, who was a true, true independent filmmaker, Mm -hmm. you know, in up there with like Don Coscarelli, just like a real auteur who was all about guerrilla filmmaking and did everything he could to get like, the he shot. He was a commercial writer. I mean, like, you know, he he kind of made his bones in television. That's right. Uh, you know, The Invaders being, like, one of the great things That's that right. he did on fucking TV, though, that, like, he had the opportunity to create something, you know, the paranoia of that. Like, which there's a lot of The Invaders in the stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's one of those filmmakers that truly, like, you know, the word, the term auteur is thrown around a lot, and it's unfortunately cast like a, a a pall over filmmaking because yeah. it doesn't really mean anything anymore. Um, but he would go out and he would like he, write these really super commercial scripts for these right. high profile movies, make a shit ton of money off of that, and then throw that into these like pet projects yes. that he had. So it's like, you know, you you've kind of got this schizophrenic career where you've got, you know, Larry Cohen, the high profile uh, script doctor and, you know, just scribe. And then you've got the director, which the things that he directed, you know, Started off like with you know black exploitation and everything. In yeah, the some of the best black exploitation films ever. And then went on to make things like fucking Q, the Winged Serpent, the uh, stuff, the stuff, Return to Salem's Lot. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, one of my very favorites, God, God told, told me, me to, which Kill. is an incredible work of art. Yeah. Uh, and but the thing, uh, he true auteur. You know a Larry Cohen film when you see it. It mm. has this vibe. All well, of his movies usually that he directed if it's got have. Michael Moriarty in it, yeah, it's right. probably a Larry right. Cohen movie. Oh, Except it's alive. For Troll. We missed it's alive. It's alive, yeah. He directed all three yeah, of the It's, it's Alive, alive series. Um, it's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. <laughs> which is hard to find. Yeah. I don't think it's even on. There was a collector's edition that oh, really? had all three that had been put I'd out. Li- I'd love to see It's Alive 3 again. I yeah. haven't seen that in fucking years. Um, but he, uh, he always had something to say, and you could always see. But what. Actually, what jump-started that for me was the special effects in the movie. Yeah, they're really cool, but every Larry Cohen movie, and this is probably why I like them, and it's not too dissimilar from, like, Don Dollar, it almost feels like there was an impatience with the special effects. Like, when I watch a Larry Cohen film, sometimes I'm like, he didn't really feel like waiting around for that shot to get done, because it sometimes cuts, like... Maybe it wasn't filmed properly, and there's kind of like a jump edit. And I'm specifically thinking of like the Garrett Morris scene where he's is he spouting out the yeah the stuff yeah. yeah. But then there is some great uh, revolving room work done. Yep. Um. Yeah. The stuff is hilarious. Cozy movie, by the way. Yeah. That movie makes me feel warm. That's but, going I mean, on our it's, list. It's horrifying and it's hilarious. Very all funny. At the same time. Very funny. Yeah. All right. The stuff has made it. Congratulations, Yeehaw. the stuff. Um, okay, well, here we go for me. 
Um, I want to talk about one of uh, the most cynical films ever made. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what movie you're going to be talking about. My choice for the list is Charles Bronson in Death, Death Wish, Wish 3. 3. <laughs> How about you? It is on my list. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Death Wish 3 is the most fucking ridiculous. <laughs> this is my friend Wildy. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Okay, look. The Death Wish movies have really sloppy politics. Like, the the you know... It, hey, it's the Reagan era, all right, man? That's all you got to say. <laughs> all right. The story is an architect, his family is violently assaulted. That's and Death he, Wish 1. This is the first one, and he decides, because the police don't have any interest in taking... That in I'm going to go find it. Jeff Goldblum, and I'm going to kill him. Yes. He took that one off his resume as fast as he possibly could, I'm sure. Um, Hi, I was rapist number one in Death <laughs> yeah, I think Wish. He's actually the original number two. Death Wish? Oh, number two? Okay. <laughs> okay. And this guy goes and gets revenge. It's like a Bernie Getz vigilante. Well, this uh, actually predates Bernie Getz. No, I, I think the it's... The first Death Wish does. I think it's... Really? Yeah. The first Death Wish is what? 79? 70, oh, no. I think it's like 75 or 76. Bernie Getz was in the 80s. Death Wish is... Oh, you, you know what? You're totally right, dude. Um, Death Wish is 74. Okay. Okay, so 74, then we have Death Wish 2 is 82, and then Death Which Wish 3. that's contemporary to Bernie Getz, because Bernie Getz was like 82, 83, somewhere around there, the subway deal. So the whole thing with these Death Wish movies, and by the way, <laughs> this is another series that I would love to just run, mm -hmm. because the Death Wish movies are batshit insane. They only get crazier, yeah. and as Paul Kersey, Charles Bronson's character's name, it's like don't date Paul Kersey because every single person he has ever loved gets dies raped or gets and raped. murdered and it's or commits suicide. It's like the most horrific shit you could imagine. But Death Wish Three jettisons the like the straight up horrific sexual uh, trauma. Well, not totally, but Paul Kersey shows up in like battle zone somewhere New York. I don't know. I, I'm sure it's not New York. And yeah, like. East St. Louis or some shit. Yeah, who knows where that... It's supposed to be New York, right? And um, goes to visit his never-before-mentioned best friend. Just so happens that his best friend is murdered as he shows up to see him in the So he tenement. moves into his apartment and then fucking declares war <laughs> on the hoods in the fucking neighborhood. And the hoods in the neighborhood, um, the, the main villain is, um, oh my god, Gavin O'Hurley. Yeah, which Isn't is that Dan O'Hurley's son. What? And actually, Gavin O'Hurley, he just died. No, he didn't. Yeah. No, don't tell me that. No, he did. He died, like, within the last year. Oh, my God. September 15th. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, who? he was the oldest Cunningham son on Happy Days. And you might recognize him from he was also Willow, in Willow and Superman and he was 3. in uh, Never Say Never Again, That's too. That's right. He was he Jack sure Patachi. I did not know that he died. That's a shame. Yeah. But um, his dad, who is fucking, you know... Connell Cochran from Halloween 3, and Grig from The Last Starfighter, and... And the old man from Robocop. Yes. So, Paul Kersey goes to this town and uh, decides to get revenge on this gang of hoods, but also, Ed Lauder... Yes. ...is the police chief who recognizes him as the vigilante killer from the 70s and says, you know what? I'm gonna help you. You're gonna help me. 
I can't get a hold of these gangs. I just can't do it. So you're going to go around and kill them all for me. And by the end of the movie, it's incredible. Uh, Charles Bronson just murders people with free reign throughout the movie. By the end of the movie, Martin Balsam is like, hey, I've got a collection of machine guns and rocket launchers. And they go to war. And it's this incredible set piece in this burned out like tenement where Chuck Bronson and Ed Lauder are walking around with giant guns just fucking shooting people out of windows and balconies and... And this is the day and age where, you know, basically, you know, there's a huge crossover between, like, white and black hoods. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, like, right. there's Everybody... this, this wonderful, you know, like, there's this unity here. You know, it's like you don't have black gangs and white gangs. You know, everybody's, like, you know, nice and unified. Right. But they're all fucking punkers. You they're know? all, so they're all like, that's right. They all so have, like, weird, they punk, all look like. Punk the... rock is evil and people that have face paint and leather and chains. They actually look like characters from a movie that I guarantee is on both of our lists here. Yeah. That we'll talk about later. But we got Alex Winter shows up yep. as a as a hood. Uh, Rico Ross from Aliens mm-hmm. shows up as a hood. Uh, Barbie Wild, yeah. who was the female Cenobite, um, shows up as one as well. The second female Cenobite. That's right. And um, you got a, a Jimmy Page, a really shitty... Anybody that's like, what would have happened to Led Zeppelin if they'd stayed together if Bonham never died? Listen to the soundtrack to the Death, Death Wish movies, and you will go... So glad that band broke up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Death Wish 3 is like the epitome of outlandish Death Wish movies. What do you call that? What do you what could you compare it to? If the first movie is like porn, (laughs) but if the first movie is like kind of like a a real downbeat character study. And then, like, like First Blood and then Rambo 3. Well, I mean, that's a really great analogy right there. That, yeah, if you look at First Blood and then Rambo, First Blood Part 2, in that it just is over-the-top, balls-to-the-wall yeah. crazy. And it, it really, it yeah, it kind of celebrates just this violence can solve all your problems. You know? The politics, it, it's, it's, again, it's they're so, so sloppy and so shitty. So Reagan era, we're going to kick everyone's yeah. asses that doesn't think the way that we do. And we're going to just neatly say that, you know, crime is the problem. But if you if you can just kind of <laughs> accept the fact that everybody was coked up when they made this movie, uh, it's a lot of fun in, in, a, in a really, again, like Friday Part 5, in a yeah. really trashy way. Uh, great drive-in flick. Yeah, I'm definitely. glad it's on our list. I'm it glad we both have it. Fits the bill. Death Wish 3 has made it. Okay, um, you're up. All right. Well, since we just did a movie that was the third in a series, I've got another movie that's a third in the series. Ooh, what is it? And that is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. It's not on my list. Fuck you, Brandon. God (laughs) damn it. Sorry, not on my list. All right, fine, fine. That's fine. We're not going to talk about it. Um, I think I've maybe only seen it once. Come on, dude. I'm, I'm dead serious, man. I I'm. I couldn't tell you anything about that. Movie. Jason Evans and I used to fucking quote this movie all the time. We've and actually, really, season Jason, one, there's a quote. If that we Jason got. is listening to this podcast, he's very disappointed in you. You know that, right? <laughs> very disappointed. I understand. And I accept it. But unfortunately. Bust a deal. Face the wheel. 
Mad Ladies Max and gentlemen, too. boys and girls, dying times here. Hey, is it true? Did I just hear? Is this right that they're shooting a new Mad Max? Uh, I believe so. Did it just start production? Well, that I don't know about, but I know that they had been you know chatting about it. I mean, too much time has passed since Fury Road, and I'm sorry, Fury Road was an amazing fucking movie. That was hands down the best movie of the year when yeah. it was made. Um, it is, dude. Is this really happening? It looks like this is Furiosa is really happening. Okay, but it's kind of following her as opposed to Max, right? Which is fine. Yeah. I'm down with that. Wow. All right, cool. You heard it here first, folks. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry, Mad Max 3, Tina Turner. You didn't make the list. Um, we maybe don't next need another year. hero. Um, all right, my choice. Here we go. All right, I'm going with what I consider to be one of the most underrated adaptations. Okay. And werewolf films. <laughs> I know which one you do. That is Silver, Silver Bullet. Bullet. Yep, on my list. Awesome. Silver Bullet is a uh, uh, 1985, obviously 1985 film directed by Dan. I don't never I never know how to say it. Atias Adias, mm-hmm. um, who's gone Atias. on to have an incredibly successful career, um, based on the Stephen King novella Cycle of the Werewolf, with artwork by Bernie Wrightson, which is one of the earlier things i ever read of stephen king i mean it's not exactly a graphic novel but like the illustrations are pretty graphic prominent they're pretty graphic oh absolutely (laughs) i mean the one of the fucking cop and the werewolf reaching through the fucking door and ripping his face off off is incredible um god bless bernie wrights and wherever you are right now but the movie is an is a wonderfully faithful adaptation of it um i don't know kind of pushing the whole thing with the wheelchair and everything yeah but but yeah. it doesn't detract from it. Actually, I have it no doesn't. problem it with totally it. It totally fits. Yeah. It totally works for me. Um, and by the way, it's a great Halloween movie because oh, the definitely. climax of the film is Halloween night. Yep. It goes over the course of the time, like a cycle of the werewolf. Yeah, 10 months. Yeah, starting in so extremely gory film, surprisingly yep. gory. If there's a downside to the movie, it's that the werewolf looks kind of stupid. Yeah, a little bit. It, but I'll tell you what, the werewolf in human form... The great fucking Everett McGill. That's right. And that's not a spoiler because they drop that one on you pretty quickly. Yeah. More than halfway through the movie, or less than halfway through, we realize who the werewolf is. It is not a mystery at this point. Um, it has one of the best Gary Busey performances ever. I would agree. He is Uncle Red is the shit. Oh my god, he is so good. And it's like I love watching the movie because you can see how unhinged. I got a he nephew is. who's just uh just learning about the Lone Ranger. <laughs> he, d- dude, his per- he's unhinged in yeah. the movie. And it, like you can see that they probably did two takes each time. One where he had to say the lines and then one where he just does whatever he wants. And he is <sighs> His There's a perform- reason why he was nominated for an Oscar. Yes, if this is this is, I believe this is the, is this right? The last movie he made before the accident, his accident, the motorcycle accident. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to say that Bulletproof was the last movie before the accident with Darlene Flugel. 
And we're, the accident we're referring to is Gary Busey was... In a motorcycle crash yeah, where and he it, wasn't wearing a helmet. And he received, unfortunately, brain damage from it, which has kind of put him where he is now, which is... Yeah, but I mean, think about it, too, though. Point Break was filmed after the motorcycle crash. And so was Under Siege. Yeah. Which is another incredible performance yeah. by him. But, you know, it only goes from there. And Predator 2. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Brandon. Sorry, I'm not a fan. Um, Gary Busey is incredible in the movie. He really feels like the uncle that you would want to have. Uh, yeah. Corey Haim is great as the kid. They have the a wonderful relationship. Awesome. The sister who narrates the story. Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn is a great sheriff. If, if, if There's a, a really overwrought actor in the movie who plays like the, the father of one of the victims. George Zunza, isn't it? No, it's not him. It's somebody else. It's, a, he, it's the guy with the little mustache. Uh, uh, Kent Broadhurst, I think. Oh, is the that. dude that's... It's the guy from... He's in um, Blues Brothers, isn't he? No. It's not him? No, I don't think they so. They smell bad. Is that the same dude? No, not him. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Um, here's an interesting tidbit. This movie was originally to be directed by Don Coscarelli, and he filmed a decent amount of the film before Dino De Laurentiis, he was removed from the film. What? Dino De Laurentiis removed somebody from a movie? Surprisingly, he did. Um, and it was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, and... Uh, it's a really good werewolf movie. It's a lot of fun. It's really violent. Yeah. It's just a fun, fun, fun movie. It's one of those ones that if it's on, I'm fucking watching. Easily. Just easily. like Jaws. You know, it doesn't matter what point in the movie it is. Even if it's halfway through the movie, three quarters of the way through the movie, I'm throwing the remote away. I'm watching this movie. I love Silver Bullet. And me it's too. only gotten better to me. I, I remember when I was like younger watching it that it it didn't. I don't know why. I just was probably was like. I want it to be more. I don't know. I have no idea. It's yeah. only gotten better. Well, you've better. always been kind of a snob. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. It's only gotten better as yeah. I've gotten older. Like, I now I can't wait. I always watch it at Halloween, too. So I can't wait for Halloween to roll around so yeah. I can give that one. But that's also a good Fourth of July movie. Yeah. It works as a seasonal film. Uh, has a great moody atmosphere, a great score by, I, I want to say, Jay Chataway does the score. So it's a great kind of synth, I think you're right. synth-based yeah. score. Um, again, kind of flatly shot. I would have loved to have seen Don Coscarelli knock that one out of the park, but, um, it's a, it's a fun, fun B movie. Great driving movie. I, I'm glad it's added to our list. Yes, absolutely. All right. Silver Bullet has made it. Congratulations. Should we just do kind of like a rundown of what we've got so far on the list? Sure. Um, I've got Friday the 13th part five. Ghoulies. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Godzilla. Godzilla Silver Bullet. American Ninja. The Stuff. The Stuff. Death Wish 3. Death Wish 3. Okay. Okay. Well, let's keep on going. All right. Wrap, kind of wrapping up. Got a few more for me. Yeah. Um, wait, whose choice is it? Oh, it's your choice. You're up. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to the master. 1985s, like every other movie on this list. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Not on my list. Motherfucker! I'm just kidding. It's on my list. Are you kidding me? Of course it's on my list. Day of the Dead. Welcome. <laughs> Dude, let's talk about Day of the Dead. Let's, we're going to have, let's, by the way, let's restrain ourselves a little bit. Okay. Okay, because, okay, yeah. um, 
we need to I kind of can, go a little in depth on this one and some other show. But we like, could maybe even do a commentary. I, like I, <sighs> Day of the Dead, um, <sighs> got shit on for so long. This movie was shit on for so long, and the truth of the matter is, is that yes, I don't know. Have you read the original script for it? Um, I've read the outline. I've, I can't say I've read the, the okay. f- entire I, I, I screenplay. I read the original screenplay for it and everything. And of course, George Romero had a huge vision for this particular movie and everything. And they just kept coming back to him saying, oh, yeah, you can do that. And then, oh, yeah, um, we need to cut the budget. Yeah. We need to cut the budget again. We need to cut the budget again. So George had to go back and keep cutting his script and his vision. But I still have to say amidst all those setbacks and everything, he still came up with something that is just fucking horrifying. I'm so glad that what happened to the movie happened because like the, you know, it's tight, it's tense, it's fucking (sighs) scary as fuck. And it is the one of the, to this day, one of the bleakest films I have ever seen. And I don't give a shit what the ending is that. Yeah. It, that movie is, Pitch black. Yeah. And to this day, too, I think also probably the best work that Tom Savini ever did. It's his masterpiece. Yeah, definitely. It's hands down. Yeah. Hands down his masterpiece. Um, it is – it's almost pointless to talk about the movie because if you're listening to this, then you you know it. Yeah. But um, it's, it's always funny because that trilogy – and I think I'm – I think of it as a trilogy. Yeah. I, I know – like – Land of the Dead, I kind of enjoy. Yeah, I did too. I don't but yeah, like the Diary of the Dead and fucking what's the last survival? One? Survival of the Dead. I, I don't like those movies. I so I don't. The Canada zombie films just don't work for me. <laughs> I just don't count them in the in the canon. I, yeah. I they don't for me. It's the trilogy, and even I think for George it was too. Yeah, and but maybe he was disappointed because it wasn't the way he had hoped he could wrap his trilogy up. Yeah, uh, but. That's okay because those limitations are what make the movie. The movie is about limitations. Yeah, definitely. And what people, how people respond to those limitations. And kind of like how his movies, especially his best movies, Night, Dawn, and Day, how they um, reflect the what's going on. At the time, they are definitely time capsules. They are. Day really reflects the limitation concept, I think, and it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I. I here's what I could. I have such a visceral reaction to this movie. I had never seen it before. I had seen Night and Dawn. I actually got to see them in order as mm-hmm. when I was younger, and I remember seeing Day of the Dead, which was always released uncut. It's never been edited unless you watched it on television mm-hmm. it's always been well disturbingly disturbingly violent film and i still to this day remember the first time i saw that movie and the slow build slow build all the way up to the final massacre roads of everybody yeah. of everybody and i was so fucking traumatized by the violence in the movie that I, I remember thinking, like, how, how, how was this even done? It looks, still, it looks so real and it's so horrific and believable. Um, and it, <laughs> anytime, it's a great movie to show somebody who's never seen it before because yeah. they their re- reaction one hundred percent of the time is like, Jesus, why did you show me this? <laughs> Day of the Dead is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and I know 
at the time people were really disappointed. Um, and I know he was disappointed, but, yeah. um, I don't know why. Cause yeah, it's, it's something else. Definitely and something and else. yeah, it's not as, um, it's not as fun as Dawn of the dead and it's not as revolutionary as night of the living dead, but, but I mean, think about the period in which it was made too. I mean, the 19 fucking eighties. And at this point too, it was just the bleakness of that. Yes. Dude. Everything had been kind of weighing down on, on Romero at this point, And, and it was shot. Partly here in Florida. Yes, it was. Um, I know somebody, or I knew somebody who was able to go down and be an extra in it, and then Son turned about- it down. What? It was for whatever reason was not able to do it, and always regretted it to this day. Always yeah. regretted it. I mean, downtown Fort Myers and yep. the Sanibel Captiva. Yep. And of course, Romero was living here at the time. That's right. He was in. Uh, he was w- Sanibel Sanibel Captiva. Yeah. yeah. Stephen King was living here too. Still has a place here. Yeah. He's got an island, actually. Yeah, I'll take you guys to it if you want someday. Um, yes. Day of the Dead. Day of the I, Dead. I, we could spend hours talking about it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll. that's another one we'll do a commentary for. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Um, it's such a great movie. Okay. Great choice. Mm-hmm. It makes it to the list. Um, that was yours? That was mine. Okay. Uh, here we go for me. I'm going to go ahead and put in, um, we're getting to, we're getting to the point where we're probably going to be getting close to touching on our number one, right? I mean, I've got a bunch more movies. A bunch I've, I've, more. I've got, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got six, six? more movies. I yep. have, I have one, two, three. I have four left, okay. so I think we're going to have to... Let's just double down on you. Okay. So you go again. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll just let it let it slide, man. Fright Night. Fright Night. Fright. That is Night. on my list. Yeah! Fright Night, one of the most fun films of the 80s total. Absolutely. Tom. Tom. <sighs> Fright Night is great, man. Yeah, it delivers. Um, yeah, Tom Holland uh, wrote and directed. Yes, right? he did. He wrote, yeah, um, you get Roddy McDowell in there. Uh, William Peter Ragsdale, Vincent, William Ragsdale, Chris Sarandon, Chris Saran- of course, Chris Sarandon, and Amanda Bears. Um, oh, and pff, Stephen Jeffries. Oh, of course, the, Evil the, Ed, man, the incredible Stephen Jeffries, um, who, who is so wonderful in the movie. He's so good in the movie. You're so cool. He, I love, um, I love how emotional. I, and I, I, well, I guess, I guess it's probably Steve Johnson's effects work too. But like, he's crying a lot in the movie. Yeah. Maybe it's the contacts in his eyes. Well, I mean, here's the thing though: the character of Evil Ed is actually a very fucking tragic and sad character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he seems kind of fun and goofy in the beginning, but really, when you understand, like, when he's given the choice. And he's given a choice. He is, yeah. And the reasons that he makes the choice that he does, uh, it's the emotional heart of the movie. Fright Night is great. Yeah. Uh, great practical effects by um, Richard Edland, who was fresh off uh, Ghostbusters at this point. Um, Steve Johnson did a lot of makeup effects. Who Richard Edland fresh did off the visual. Ghostbusters at oh, this point. Right, yeah. of course. Onion Head. Uh, yep. And uh, and the library ghost, of course, and but uh, 
great, just great effects work, effects work, a great performance by Chris Sarandon as Jerry, a wonderful villain, Jerry Dandridge. And I love, um, what's the dude's name that plays his familiar? His, his yeah, familiar. I I, oh my I God. Forget his fucking name. Um, he's in, oh, hold on. I got to look his name up because the, the one scene where the, they bring the cop down and William Ragsdale is like, my neighbor's a vampire. Here's what I saw. Because um, this movie is fucking rear window with vampires. You're absolutely right. Jonathan Stark. There we go. And he's in House 2. Yes. Electric The Boogaloo. second story. Yeah. Oh, right. Which is probably one of the better with subtitles of all time. Airy Gross. Terrible movie, but a great Royal subtitle. Royal Dano and... But we're not talking about that. That's another nope, year. We're not. We're That's not. 1987. Yeah. Sorry. Um... If you don't know what Fright Night is, it's about a kid who is obsessed with horror movies who realizes that his next door neighbor is a vampire Mm -hmm. and no one will believe him, including the guy who hosts the late night creature features um, show that he so adores. And they all have to end up teaming up to go against a vamp, a very nasty vampire and his his crew of people that fucking pencil effect too is like steve johnson awesome pencil effect that he shit talks because he doesn't like the way it was filmed but i still think it's pretty effective the makeup of chris sarandon is very frightening Mm -hmm. very funny movie um what i don't again it's one of those movies where it's like i don't even know what to say about fright night like that hasn't already i mean all we really need to do is just fucking if you have not seen the movie watch the movie and i'm not talking about the remake I didn't mind the remake. I, I didn't either. You know, and actually, I kind of liked how they utilized Chris Sarandon in that movie and everything. But um, I don't really remember it either. Yeah, it's it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, I, unfortunately. I mean, Anton Yelkin, which I I like Anton oh, Yelkin. He was great. He was wonderful. Um, you know, I think the casting was actually very good. Mm-hmm. Christopher Mintz Plotzi and the way that they actually kind of did, you know, the evil Ed for that movie. No, that was all really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a it was an adequate it was an adequate remake and everything. Here's what I'll tell you: this is kind of blasphemous to some people, although ugh, I actually do think that the remake of Fright Night is better than the sequel to oh, Fright Night. I hands down agree with Fright you Night on that Two one. has a, a a cult following, just like everything does, and. You know, if you like the movie, if you should. Good for you. It's, and there are things to like in Fright Night. Well, too, again, really but, cool special effects, yeah. but it's the it's it runs the it has the unfortunate thing that happened in the late eighties where sequels were beat for beat the same yeah. movie. Ghostbusters two, which I love, is yeah. the same exact movie beat for beat, same movie. Um Beverly Hills Cop two. Or uh, uh, just give another us more 48 of the same. hours. It's the same. And Fright Night 2 is beat for beat the same. Yeah. If you want to see another vampire movie, you know, rather than seeing Fright Night 2, go see Vamp. But Vamp is a lot of fun. I, yeah. I just rewatched that like maybe in the last year. I need to go back and see it again. It's been a while. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's re- Grace I mean, Jones has a great dance. Uh, Getty Watanabe. But I didn't realize. Robert Rustler. Um, and Keith Haring did the uh, painted Grace her body. Jones's yeah. body. Yeah. I, I, I did know that. I didn't know. I was watching the movie and I was like, that looks like goddamn Keith Haring art. That's yeah, incredible. It was. <laughs> anyway, Fright Night. Such a good movie. Great score. Um, great music. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did the score? I want to say, was it Barry Devorzon? Is that right? I don't know, to be honest with you. But I mean, the theme is actually pretty damn good. Oh no, no, hold on. Who's the? He 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 doesn't work in the industry anymore. Um, Brad Fidel. 
Am I right? Please tell me it was Brad Fidel that did the score. Brad Fidel, oh, who did the score for um, Terminator, wow. Terminator Two. But he no longer he you know he doesn't work in the industry anymore. No, it's a pity. And isn't he married to somebody? Did he do Terminator Two or did he do Terminator he did. One? He did do Terminator Two. Uh, oh, he married. That's right. He married Anne Dusenberry, who is uh, the actress from Jaws Two. Mm-hmm. Um, Fright Night, great. Uh, Jay Giles Band does the the one yeah. song. Uh, uh, it's actually a wild autograph. You can't hide from the beast inside. Ian Hunter, Good Man in a Bad Time. It's a really fun soundtrack. Um, really fun. Oh, Devo, let's talk. Really fun movie. Sparks does a song from it. Man, I, Fright Night. I remember I put that on my list of. I try to watch that every year. And I did not get to it this year. Yeah. So that now I feel like I'm going to watch it tonight. It's a great one. Okay. Um, so that was you. So now I'm up, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to go with 1985's Canon Films, Life Force. You're shitting me. I'm fucking shitting myself. I'm like, why the fuck is that not on my list? Well, you know what? I'm going to scratch out this fucking movie right here. Okay. And I'm going to put in Life Force. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. You because, can do whatever you yeah, want. Absolutely. Because, yeah, uh, for some reason, why that's not on my fucking list? Why I can't, is that not on your list? I don't know why that's not on my list. That's really Are we sure weird, it's 85, dude. not 86? I'm sh- I think it's 86. That's why I probably don't have it on the list. Hold on. Because Halley's Comet, I think it's 86. No, man. it's 85. Is it really? Invaders from Mars is 86. Okay. All right. Well, th- that's fine. All right. I, if I, Life Force. I will fucking cut out this other movie and put fucking Life Force on. Hell yes. What, yeah. can, I, can you tell everybody what you cut out? Uh, uh, Real Genius. <laughs> you could have paired that with my Police Academy, too. Yeah, I know. But, you know, actually, there's 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 three movies that, I, that came in kind of close proximity to one another. That's the one that I think is probably kind of least genre-y. Yeah. Even though it is genre i wonder if there's another one i think i wonder if you picked this one or not i've got two other ones that by the kind way of you, you were supposed ilk. to have another one you were supposed to go again but it's okay i we're... already did i did day of the dead and fright night oh okay so life force 1985 yes. directed by toby hooper probably his most his biggest budget batshit insane movie yeah. he's ever made no 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 you fucking don't think it's the most insane movie he's chainsaw ever made chainsaw 2 is way more batshit crazy really than this you think movie. i know so okay i i life force is fucking wild yeah it is wild um have you read the original book i have the book i do too uh space vampires um is what it was uh filmed as and uh written as um the original novel, but it is adapted by Dan O'Bannon and Don Jacoby. Um, you get great. Oh my God. What do we, Toby Hooper at, you know, post poltergeist. So he had, he had signed a three picture deal with Canon films after poltergeist. Mm -hmm. Um, he didn't really have an easy go of it after poltergeist. Yeah. So you get chainsaw Two, which he made in concession. It was, I get to make life force, invaders from mars and then i'll make chainsaw 2 for you yeah so he made all three of these movies back to back yep <sighs> cocaine and and, uh, dr. and pepper. dr pepper and uh cuban cigars mm-hmm. actually not cubans uh i think monte cristos and um 
he made this movie about space vampires and it's nuts. You got Steve rails back in the, an outrageous performance. The craziest performance he's had since Helter Skelter. Easily. Yeah. Easily. He's almost out of control. Yeah. Except he is, he, it, he still also looks like he's in control. Colin Firth. That's right. Colin Firth, uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Um. Oh my God. What's the fucking actor's name? He was in Frank uh, Finlay. Well, Frank Finley, yes, is Hans Landa. Not Hans Landa. I'm sorry. Uh, no, Hans Landa's from fucking Inglorious Bastards. Uh, no, what's the fucking doctor's name? What's what's his character's name? Uh, Leonard Bukowski. That guy, Doctor Leonard Bukowski. No, Bukowski is the other actor who I'm trying to remember his name. He was the killer in uh, For Your Eyes Only. Um, Michael Gothard. Yes. Uh, wait. Nicholas Ball? No, Michael Gothard's the one I'm thinking of. He was the the guy that wore the octagonal oh, glasses for your, your eyes That's only. That's right. Yes. And he was also the priest that gives all the fucking Kleister stuff in The Devils, Ken Russell's The Devils. Oh shit. Okay. And actually he wound up killing himself. Oh. He was also in uh Richard Lester's The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers. Okay. All right. Yeah. But we also neglected to mention the most important part of the oh, film. Oh, of course, Matilda May. <laughs> Maybe the most beautiful woman in film history. Ever? Yes. Ever? Maybe. And that um, has nothing to do with the fact that she is butt-ass naked for the first half of the movie. And I mean butt-ass, full frontal, naked. Okay, I... We know I have a thing for exploitation of female nudity in movies um it oftentimes bothers me that there's not equal opportunity given to well you do get kind of like shriveled shriveled zombie dicks in this movie so I do, yeah that's that's true you do i also like that you just made up the word shriveled shrim and i think we need shrimbled. to adopt the word shriveled, shrimbled. <laughs> no shriveled Sh- from shrimbled. here on out yeah, is shrimbled. now getting official density designation <laughs> as a word for small penis He's got a shrimble. A shrimble. Look at that old shrimble. Yep. Um, but. That's what you get when you combine trembling and shriveled. The, the pro- a tri- shriveled, <laughs> trembling penis. The, the thing about Matilda May's full frontal nudity in the movie is what. Okay. It always bothers me when filmmakers use this excuse. It's necessary to the story. That always, it drives me nuts. They say that with blue is the warmest color. That it's well, no, we need this twelve minute scissoring scene, um, because to show these how these women love each other. Like okay, it's so that you can jerk off for twelve minutes. We we know what's going on. Sex here. sells. Okay, um, it always bothers me to hear that. But in this movie, the whole conceit is that there's this beautiful. It's also men. It is the men too. There's yes, there's they're... these vampire men as well, but. Specifically, they focus on <laughs> this woman and her nude form as hypnotizing everyone and everything. And it's how these vampires are able to destroy the world. This is an apocalyptic film about the end of the world. It's a zombie movie with vampires that's yes. not I Am Legend. <laughs> that canon spent more money on probably than any other movie they ever made. Oh, and the it- visual effects are awesome. And the fucking Henry Mancini score. Did Mancini score? Mancini scored this. I, yes. You know, I'm not a big. Wait, Henry Mancini or Hen- Harry Manfredini? 
Henry Mancini. Oh, Pink interesting. Panther, Henry Mancini. Weird. It's weird that I don't actually remember anything about the score. Oh, it's movie. fucking. It's this kind of crazy kind of march. I mean, it's. I. I, I really like the music a lot. We get these incredible effects by John Dykstra. Yeah, the, um, the visual effects are amazing. They're wild, and they um, they spent so much money on this movie. And I guess it was originally over two hours long. They cut time out of it. There are multiple cuts of the movie that exist. It doesn't matter what cut you see; they're all batshit insane. Um, it's a lot of fun. And Hans Falada. There we go. Sorry. I've been thinking about that the entire time. That's what is that? Fra- that's Frank Finley's <laughs> character's name. And actually, Frank Finley was in Richard Lester's uh, The Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers, too. He played Porthos. He's the fat one. He's the fat one when Oliver Platt plays. <laughs> that's, of course, what I'm referring to. Yes. Um, This movie almost single-handedly bankrupted canon yeah it was a huge bomb um which sucks because the movie's fucking awesome it is but it's also really weird and it's it's probably not uh, uh, you know in of all the movies that we have on this list actually so far i would say that this is probably the this least was a accessible movie that fucking blew my mind when i first saw it too but how do you feel about the I, like i think it's the it's not the most accessible mainstream movie. Like it requires you to be a fan of abstract concepts or Toby Hooper or titties to really get into it. Cause the it's fir- so the, weird. The first time I saw this movie was on Fox 35, which was an Orlando television station on a fucking Saturday afternoon, which means that all the fucking Matilda May good stuff was fucking cut. But I watched this movie and it blew my fucking mind. It's and so then weird. later on, um, and we've talked about this, uh, This Is Horror, which was a, I think it was Stephen King's World of Horror that got recut. And they used yeah. to play it on fucking MTV at like one o'clock in the morning and everything. And this was one of the movies that they fucking featured in that documentary and i was like oh i know this friggin' movie and then later on when i was working at the video store i said i need to watch this movie again and that's when i got the fucking gift of matilda may uncut <laughs> and i was like this is the greatest movie ever made <laughs> toby hooper's a fucking genius give me some dr pepper right now they said they they saw a lot of women for that role lucky you toby you, you you got the good one. Yeah, well, I'm I'm there Matilda May. I mean, hands down, no bullshit. She is alluring. Yeah. And I mean, actually, by the way, to this day. Yeah, and she, I, she is and not because gorgeous, she's holy just, you know, I mean, the the fact yes that she is completely butt ass naked the movie no, is but, like no, very no, no, arresting, but, but there is just beyond something. That. Yeah. She has this it's this otherworldly vampiric, Yes, it's like the whole idea that you hear all the time about vampires is how they like hypnotize and how they mesmerize. And for me, this was the first time that, and we, yeah, we can make titty jokes all day long, but this was the first time that I understood the concept of that mm-hmm. because, and it's not just her body. Like really, honestly, she's, there's something very weird and, and, and frightening about but like fascinating about her face you know who she kind of reminds me of um who? who has the same quality like unearthly quality um and i can never pronounce her last name properly alice cridge 
Oh, Kriege? Kriege. Yeah. yeah. Same kind of... From Ghost Story. Yes. The Borg Queen. Yes. It has that same kind of like... Um, just like frightening sexuality where you're like, no, but yes. Ooh, yes. no. Um, yeah. But Matilda really knocks it out of the park here. Yeah. And I, and I love, by the way, it's obviously you're vulnerable walking around completely naked on a film set all day long. But I, I have nothing but respect for the fact that that's what she does in this mm-hmm. movie and that she nails it. Like the, the way, <laughs> The, she owns the camera yeah. and congratulations and congratulations Toby it's while it's probably it's not my favorite movie of Toby Hoopy to, Toby Hoopies it's Toby Hoops <laughs> it is a, it is him working at like peak Toby of the 80s mm-hmm. like he is a unpredictable filmmaker a lunatic madman and this movie just proves it so life force <laughs> Yes. Welcome to the welcome to the list. Okay. Almost at the end here for me. I have um I've got one, one, two, two I have three. three. I've got four and then of course my Do you think you can no, no. cross one? I have three, including my number one. So you have four and then your number and one? And then my number one, yeah. Do you think you could cross one or two off? Yeah, I'll cross two of them off. Okay, what do you have? What what are you what are you going to cross off? Weird science. Okay, okay. I love it. I it's absolutely not on love my it. list. If it were on my list, we would not be crossing it off. Yeah. Okay, all right. Weird science and uh, my science project. I dude, I knew I knew you were going to have my science project on here because it was. We were talking about something else. I don't know what it was, and I was like, yeah, that secret Disney movie that was being made. All right, my science project goes. Secret Disney movie? Yeah, um, actually, one of these old Fangos. It's in here. Um, in one of these eighty-five issues of Fango, they talk about. Uh, um, so my science project wasn't a Disney movie, uh, but it was filmed on a Disney lot. Was it now? Yeah, and it's right here in the back. I was just reading about it, and they were like, uh, "It's a, it's like a, a, a movie that they were like my science project. We don't have any idea what." what this movie is and the Disney lot I mean, is being... Dennis Hopper, Fisher Stevens and what Daniel von Zernick, Raphael Sabarge and John Stockwell. There it is my science pro- from Fangoria uh, issue number 41 monster invasion up to the minute warnings of what's coming your way. Mm-hmm. My science project is being shot on a closed set at Disney studios in a shroud of Spielberg style secrecy. Disney execs, we're told, live in fear that the nature of the titular science project may leak, resulting in a quickie ripoff by TV or low-budget indie. The entire cast have signed agreements not to discuss the plot or the nature of the science project with anyone not connected within the film. That's it. Okay. Kind of interesting, huh? Which I think is, considering the movie and everything, wholly unnecessary. Didn't work but, out you know, well yeah, for no. them, no. I mean, no. I love the movie, It's you know, but... But okay. it's no Tammy and the T-Rex. But it it does have a T-Rex in it. It does have a T-Rex in it. Okay. um, So I've got Okay, so I've got got two and then my final. I've got two and then my my final. Okay. Um, I don't want to do your number one. I don't know what your number one is. but I I don't don't, know what your number one is. But I don't want to say. 
I'll throw one out there that it's probably not on your list. I almost guarantee it's not on your list. Okay, what? Schwarzenegger in Commando. Dude, not on my list. Okay, Commando. Uh, what a drive-in movie. It's a total drive-in movie. I mean, it's like it, the violence, the bodies. Uh, Radon Chong is in. This mm. is the other Radon Chong movie. Totally forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot. That's yeah. right. Yes. So this is the second Radon Chong movie. Um, I think it's Schwarzenegger at his best. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I love this movie. It's it's kind of a man on a mission, revenge, uh, you know, extortion movie. But yeah, just wholly violent. Um, and I love it. Commando. Yeah. A lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I'm sorry that I don't have that on my list. Yeah. I'm sorry you don't have a list, too. Goodbye. Cross you off. And now I'm down to my last two. All right. I'm going to try to just guess what your number one isn't so that I can say this. So okay. I can say one. All right. All right. I'm, I'm guessing that your number one is a different movie. So I'm going to say... The other movie here on my list is Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead is on my list. Okay, not your number one. Not my number one. Okay. Ooh. Return of the Living Dead. What do you want to, what do you need to know? I mean, it's like the one of the best zombie films ever it's made. It's the shot in the arm that the zombie you know, it, it's this is probably why Day of the Dead was considered a failure. Yeah, there was a so there was a huge um uh behind the scenes debacle about this. So I'll just th real quickly kind of touch on this. Return of the Night of the Living Dead uh was made by a company called um Image 10. Image 10. And those partners in Image 10 included a man named John Russo who was of course the co-author of the original screenplay for Night of the Living Dead. Night of the with, Flesh Eaters. Night of the Fle with George Romero. Um, they went their separate ways, but remained associates, but they went their separate ways. Uh, and then John Russo retained the rights to the cons the phrase Living, Living Dead, Dead, whereas Romero retained the rights to the phrase Night or Dawn or Day, mm -hmm. um, which is why... Dawn of the Dead is not called Dawn of the Living Dead and Day as well. John Russo wrote a novel called Return of the Living, The Return of the Living Dead, um, which have you ever read it? I've not. I've bits and pieces. I haven't read the whole thing. I've never been able to get a complete copy. Yeah, of it. I have. I have it. It's it's uh, an interest. It's completely. Yeah, it has nothing to nothing do with what the movie do. became. It's actually if it's if anything, it's closer to that abomination that came out in the 2000s the night of the living dead with the new footage do you remember that yes okay it's it's actually more with in all line. the fucking bill hensman as an old man yeah. trying to play the fucking cemetery yes. zombie again yes it's very it's much what closer it? to that sandor whatever the fucking you, you uh, know anton levey wannabe God. who did all the fucking music it's it's the plot is closer to that. It okay. was fucking Maurice's copy that I fucking watched. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually owned it. I ended up buying it. And yeah, no, had, and no, Maurice let me borrow it, and I watched it. And I was like, "This is fucking atrocious." Oh. Anyway, um, so John Russo 
entered into negotiations with a company with a man named Tom Fox for Return of the Living Dead. And uh, long story short, Tom Fox kind of took the, the, the project over. Return of the Living Dead was originally to be directed by Toby Hooper mm-hmm. in 3D. And then, like a lot of movies in Toby Hooper's uh, canon, he dropped out um, right before they filmed um, or was fired or released or what have you. This happened a lot with him. (laughs) Um, I can relate. (laughs) It's because they refused to uh, sign off on his Dr. Pepper writer. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, And... Dan O'Bannon, who was most known for co-writing Alien and working with John Carpenter back in the day, was looking to make his name known. And he ended up hooking up with Tom Fox because they both worked for, ironically, 20th Century Fox. No real relation there. And they worked together. Dan O'Bannon wrote an entirely new script, signed on as the director and made what is now known as Return of the Living Dead. During this process of filming the movie, Romero got wind and was like nasty about sending out letters saying you could, this movie cannot be made because the idea was in his mind and his partner's mind, Return of the Living Dead was piggybacking off of the title here. Mm-hmm. So they assumed that Return of the Living Dead would be considered a sequel to his series. Mm-hmm. And fascinatingly enough, if you read like in periodicals from that time period, like from that from the 80s, a lot of people actually did think that. Yeah. Not to the fault of the producers. It's just they people just assumed. So I understand why George was upset, but at the same time, it was almost creatively it was unwarranted. Yeah. Um what ended up getting made was, by the way, not an easy production. It was a very difficult film uh, to to make. Dan O'Bannon was not the most um, he was organized a cranky director. Kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, and first time director, he learned a lot on the job. Um, that said, the movie is a flawed masterpiece. It is a work of nineteen eighties punk rock art that defies if i don't it's one of my favorite films of all time i agree wholeheartedly and i mean i'm a pretty hardcore romero fan me too but you want to know something i have no problem with this movie whatsoever fast zombies brain eating all this talking of of the zombie characters too because i think it's kind of a satire too so i mean not that uh, no Romero's it is films aren't a satire but this is way the hell but more it's a satire in, of zombie tongue in cheek than yes exactly it's got it, these it's performances more by these character actors it's so almost anti-commercial that's the thing it's like it's almost like like you know Dan O'Bannon. You think this is a costume? This is a way of life. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Uh, show some fucking respect for the dead. It is like Dan O'Bannon was had no interest whatsoever in commercializing the film. Yeah. Like he cast James Karen and Clue Gulliger, you know, like as the leads. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. Why are those guys the leads of this and movie? And we get Miguel Nunez Jr. And we get Miguel, and he's so good. I'll bust in the damn head. His fear and I terror. I try not to think too much about dying. 
how do I love Return of the Living Dead? I I mean, I, I, I could count the ways for hours. It's... Well, I think this would be another one of those movies where if people are listening to this podcast... You know. Yeah. You know what's up. It's just, it's gory. It's grimy. It's got everything you could ever want in a drive-in I movie. I can feel myself rot. And dude, I remember, I still remember the first time I saw the movie and the ending. And I just... I, and there's a bleak fucking ending for you. Yeah, except it doesn't... It hits differently than like Day of the Dead, yeah. which is bleak. And Day of the Dead has kind of like a happy-ish ending... Um, and uh, return. You kind of chuckle at yourself with uh, it's with, so with funny. Return it's of the Living so Dead. So cynical. It's so bleak and just like, uh, like um, it, it's just obviously a reaction to of Dan O'Bannon. It's just like oh, this is it. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Everybody's dead. It's so good. It's so nasty and mean spirited and v- graphic and hodgepodge. The zombies never look the same throughout. Their different makeup effects yeah. are, you know, and it's just a wild movie that probably shouldn't have happened and somehow did. And by the way, killer score. Return of the Living Dead. You mean soundtrack. Oh, and the soundtrack is... Ooh. Wait, are you talking about the synth score? I'm talking about both. Okay, yeah. I, I, I was initially saying the, the score, but you're right. I mean, the soundtrack is one of the most played soundtracks in my home. I put that thing on forty five grave man, dude. Fucking that, the cramps, um, and then who? Oh, uh, 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 T S O L. Yeah. Um, with I got nothing for you. Um, and by the way, if you watch the Blu Ray uh, of Return of the Living Dead, the singer of T S O L does an acoustic cover of it that is heart wrenching. Nice. Well, you realize that it's about his addiction to heroin. Yeah. And how he has come out on the other side, and it's pretty wonderful. Return of the Living Dead is a masterpiece. To mm-hmm. me, it's like, it's just such a cool work of punk rock art, and I love it. I'm glad it's on our list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now I think this is, we're at your number one. Yeah. But I think we're at your number one, too. We're not. Oh, you're you're dead certain on that? I'm pretty dead certain. Oh, so okay. um, I wonder if, I wonder should... I go first with my number one. Yeah, go win it. Because I think I know what yours is. Yeah. My number one, and I don't think it's the best movie of the list here. In fact, I might even give that to what I think is your number one. Yeah. But my, today, when I decided on it, Mm -hmm. what my choice was is 1985's Lamberto Bava masterpiece. Oh, demons! Damn! Oh, which interesting is not on your list at all, is it's it? It's not on my list at all. Okay, but it's my number one. Which I means don't know it automatically why I didn't put that one on there. Demoni, yes, is. I don't know why it's not on yours either. Actually. I I'm, I'm legitimately I'm, surprised. I'm legitimately surprised at myself too. But then I get. I guess I did the same fucking thing with Life Force too. That's true. What's up with you? It's been a while. It's been yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is why we're taking a break. <laughs> I, I guess so, man. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm slipping. I'm getting seen. Well, I'm that much older than you are, so you know, get, <laughs> cut me a little slack, dude. The fucking senility is kicking in. But yeah, uh, I, I I can't fault you for that one, dude, because. But then again, that, of course, means, too, that, you know, the one that I've got as number one is not on your list. No, it is on my list. Oh, it's it just not my list? number one. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, I just was saving it because I had a feeling. Uh, but Demons, man. Mm-hmm. 
is fucking wild. Yeah. And I, it's it's like the Italian Return of the Living Dead. It's as punk as that movie. Yeah. Um, in its own way. Again, by the way, Killer Score by Claudio Simonetti. Uh, Simonetti um, uh, who yeah, is, Brandon sucks at the dick of Claudio Simonetti. I do, I do. And I have a copy of the score signed by him. Uh, vinyl signed by him. I like remember a when you guys. Disc. Well, I had no. I'm a little angry with you because you didn't tell me that he was in fucking town. Oh, that was one of the cool. Uh, that was such a cool show. Yeah, he did a live score of Suspiria. Was it Suspiria? Yeah, he was doing a live score of Suspiria with his with Simonetti's Goblin. Um, nicest guy, great guy, great yeah. guy, great band. It was an incredible show, and I yeah, I got Demons the soundtrack, and it's wonderful. Dude, Demons is fucking wild. It and is. It's, to me, it's the perfect drive-in movie of 1985. It is literally, I mean, it's a meta film. It is about a movie about demons <laughs> and people going to see the movie and chaos ensues because the demons somehow get loose by cutting a prostitute's face and she gets possessed and runs around and the whole movie theater is decimated possessed by demons and ripped apart in the most disgusting gory italian fashion that you can get there's a language barrier obviously because it's italian shot in english that makes it feel hyper real surreal mm -hmm. very surreal and weird although there are american expat actors that are in the movie including too. bobby rhodes yeah the wonderful bobby rhodes as a foul-mouthed pimp um great score of course i said that but also uh killer soundtrack killer soundtrack uh heavy metal soundtrack you get billy idol in there you get uh motley crew is in there go west saxon i think i think I, I, demons 2 also has a great soundtrack that i might be mixing some of them up a little bit but um and then of course you have an ending where a guy rides around in a motorcycle with a samurai sword chopping off demon heads while a, a helicopter has crashed through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get any crazier. It's so wild. It's so... I watched it a couple months ago again. I mean, really? I, I, I honestly, I hadn't seen it in like 20 years. Oh, dude. And I went back and, you know, it was... I don't know, I think it was like on something. And I was well, like, it's oh. on Prime. I think it's stream. It's At least it's on Shutter. It might be on Prime somewhere else, but... Oh, and the fucking the theater manager, the theater usher, the redhead. Yes, from what other Argento movie? Is she in Tenebrae? No, she's uh she's the little kid in fucking Deep Red. That that kills the lizard, that's like a that tortures the it's lizard. It's her it's her and the little boy. It's her as a child, and she was also the kid that was in uh she's the daughter in uh Paul Morrissey's Flesh for Frankenstein. Dude, And yes. she's also in um, Mario Bava's uh, The Torture Chamber of um, Baron Blood. Nicoletti Elmi. There we go. Yeah. Um, you're Which absolutely she was right. the freakiest looking fucking kid. Yeah, a Bay of Blood. When Flesh she grew Frankenstein. up, she became the most gorgeous woman. I think actually Demons is her last movie. Well, yeah, because then she went to medical school and became a doctor. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Good for you, Nicoletta. Uh, yeah. You get um, an Argento daughter is in there, uh, the older daughter of Asia uh, Fiore Argento. Uh, Michele Suave is in it. He plays a man in a mask, and he's in this horror film within the film. Fucking demons. Well, Suave's always the man in the mask. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, 
Dem- and Natasha Hovey is the beautiful lead of the film. You get these great uh, dudes. I, it's so disgusting. And now here's what's crazy is I remember, and again, I, we've got these old issues of Fango here. And when Demons came out, and it's so funny if you if you look through these issues, mm-hmm. um, the, the British correspondent was Philip Nutman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he saw it, like an advanced screening of it. And there are issues dedicated to demons. He was like, you call yourself a horror fan? You need to see demons. It's like when the Evil Dead came out. It yeah. hit the same way in the horror uh, niche, like the nerd community. People were like, demons is fucking incredible. And it was such a wild movie. They made a sequel to it immediately. Mm-hmm. Months later, De- Demons 2, which I also love um and there it's a great double feature (laughs) anyway you cut it it's been a long i mean seriously it's been 20 years since i had like seen them i i just watched the original demons just a couple of months ago i didn't go back and watch demons too but i remember like seeing both of them pretty much back to back and thought these are fucking amazing demons that's my number one it's like that 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 fucking scene too where you've got the woman on her fucking hands and knees and the fucking demon comes out of her back and everything it's like that fucking sequence alone the effects in that where you have a demon crawling out of another person it's amazing. I believe it's Giannetta De Rossi that did the makeup effects for that. I could be wrong. Um, incredible makeup effects. Uh, really weird. There's even like a, a homage to a movie that neither of us put on our list, uh, Company of the Wolves, um, where the tongue comes out during a transformation. They even kind of rip that off because yeah. it's so weird. Guys. Was that 85 as well? I don't know if it was 84 I don't or think it was 85. Okay. Listen, I'm sure you've all seen Demons. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it, I don't or know. it's I been think, a while. I think that there's a lot of people that have not seen man, this movie. Man, fucking just stop and watch it. It's yeah. my it, it it's just the perfect drive-in movie. Um I mean, come on, it's Lamberto Bava, it's the son of Mario Bava, yeah. you know, and of course Suave's in it too. Who... And it exudes nineteen eighty five. The colors, the neon lighting, the score, the synth score, the the metal soundtrack. Yeah. Motorcycles and samurai <sighs> swords, and demons rock running and around with their eyes glowing. There's an incredible shot where they are running down this court this up the stairs and their eyes are reflecting this light and it's and it's actually kind of scary yeah. like in its own way and it's so fucking gory oh my god yeah demons demoni 1985 lamberto bava yes that's my number one i'm, film. I'm actually disappointed i didn't have it on my list it's I don't okay because it is it is on yeah. our features so all right chris you got your number one well, i think i know brandon, what it is you know what my so tell me no what, no, no. What, what do you think it is brandon <sighs> police academy 2 yeah, of course. See, there we go. <laughs> I was trying to pull a fast one on you there. You said I didn't have it on there before, but no, it's it's on there. I think your number one film. Well, how about we say how about we say it at the same time? All right, ready? Okay, ready, ready, three, okay, ready, ready? Three, two, two, one, reanimator. reanimator. <laughs> yes. 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 Am, am I that predictable? No, you're not. It would it would have been my number one any other day, except for today. Yeah. I mean, it's another one of those movies. What do you What do you need to say? It's a mind blowing movie yeah. for me. This was another one that, like, when I saw this movie, I once again, I didn't realize you could do that with a movie. Yeah. I mean, of all the movies on this list, I think that Reanimator. Mm, yeah, I think Reanimator is probably a perfect film. Yeah. Uh, it, again, wears its heart on its sleeve. <laughs> Literally. Um, Stuart Gordon. And it's 
so masterfully directed. It's so well written. It is so well directed, so well acted, so well shot, so well filmed. Mac Alberg, uh, fucking you know Charles Band, mm-hmm. number one guy. Um, it's uh, and by the way, we got John Carl Beekler all over mm-hmm. this bitch. Yep. Uh, it's it's a masterpiece. I don't. Uh, it's so good that they've never been able to do anything else with it. You no. know, like you, people love bride, I guess. And people, so there are, I've no people are that like the I other like one about bride. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't even, it doesn't yeah. even come close. Actually, yeah, there movie. was something I found. There was actually some other, somebody else did a version of Herbert West reanimator, which was fucking atrocious. I tried watching it. I'm like, yeah, it was, wasn't it a Spanish film? It might have been. I, I I started to watch it too. It was black and white. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And it was it, trying to be more closer to the text, the Lovecraft text. But even then, it wasn't for no. some reason. I, he has know, a, he has a daughter. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it was. I it tried. Was fucking weird, man. And if if you've, I mean, I've read Herbert West Reanimator. Yeah, wild um, serial. I the most uh, accessible Lovecraft. Uh, yeah. Look. Actually, I've just finished a Lovecraft biography. <laughs> yeah, just uh, like last week, um, which I think is probably the best Lovecraft biography I've. You know the 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 book that I let you borrow, the uh, pool book on uh, oh yeah the birth of modern horror yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything with World War One and everything. Same author, but uh, this one doesn't pull any punches on just you know the complexities. And the difficulties with, you know, Lovecraft, especially in today's day and age. And I'm kind of of the mindset here that, you know, Lovecraft, you can kind of cut his work into thirds. You know, there's a third of it that's really fucking good. There's a third of it that's meh. And then there's a third of it that's just really, really bad. Yeah. What would you what would you say is bad? Just give me one. Just do one. What do you think is the worst Lovecraft? Bad story? Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, that's that's, (laughs) that's, that's the hard part. Um, (sighs) Maybe not the worst. Just one that you were like, no, no more for this. Kadath. I mean, that's one of the ones, you know, it's like I like cats and all and everything, but it just got a little too fantasy for me. You know, Silver Key is another one that, like, you know, a lot of people really fucking like and like, oh, yeah, it's a fucking deep one. That Like, it just it didn't resonate with me. What is the scariest that you've ever read? Um, Was there one that ever, like, frightened you? The very first Lovecraft story that I ever read, The Statement of Randolph Carter. Yeah. Which is the one where, like, the guy, you know, goes down into the fucking tomb and they have the telephone with him and Mm -hmm. everything, too. And I was probably 11 the first time that I read that. And there was something about, like, the fucking voice coming back. You know, he's dead. It's like, oh, my God. That fucking chilled me to the bone. I I will always kind of be partial to that also because the same reason that I'm partial to the unnameable films, one and two. I, which, you know, are like really trashy, stupid movies. But anyway, Reanimator. Yes. Jeffrey Combs in a, I would say one of the best debut performances in film yeah. history. Like that, that character like is just fully formed, <laughs> fully formed. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable how how good he is in that movie how funny he is how he brings he elevates it to just a completely different him i gave him life um bruce abbott does great work Mm -hmm. um as the straight man he's great yeah um and then you i mean we all fell in love with barbara i like there's there's no way around it she's one of the most beautiful women again of all time yeah. one of the screen greats and she's so brave in the movie yeah and i have nothing... she and matilda may were hanging out you know <laughs> literally literally hanging out in a way mm-hmm. i think she has a, a, a she gives a, a a more vulnerable and brave performance than matilda may yeah and i have nothing just utmost respect for her um David Gale is so incredibly perverse and fucking weird. Uh, who who plays the father? Barbara's father, uh, Dean Halsey. Yeah, um, that actor. Another one. We're just like. Well, I mean, it, like you know, he gets the the wonderful opportunity to play like you know two diametrically opposed. I know, types. And, and and the way he plays the the zombie version of himself yeah. is fully committed. Yeah. It's like an unhinged performance. Um. Also, by the way, perfect drive-in movie. It doesn't see. It doesn't matter what year it is. Eighty-five, eighty-seven. The movie's timeless. It will always work. It's eighty minutes long. You're in. You're out. It's paced. It moves so fast. You're never bored. There's never a boring moment on mm-hmm. film. It's so clever. Fucking Reanimator is one of the best. Uh, Obviously, one of the best horror films I think of all time. And the humor is blacker than Midnight on a Moonless Night, man. I mean, and it yet is... it's still super accessible and funny. You mm-hmm. don't have to just love horror movies. Like it's really funny, yeah. you know, in any way you you look at it. I and mean, the tagline, you know, Herbert West has got a very good head on his shoulders, and another on his desk. <laughs> and I will always remember that box art, and I think everybody else will too. And it was a huge hit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Great movie. They, great movie. Man, dude. Oh, and the Albert Band score, you know, that he did. The oh, Richard psych- Band. The, the Richard Band. I'm sorry. The Yeah, Albert's their father. Yes. Sorry. Uh, the Richard Band is kind of psycho ripoff, but yeah. it, it works so well. I love those opening credits. Yeah. I've always, like, I, it still charges me. Yeah. Pumps me up to this day. Holy shit, Chris. What a list. The, I'm, I'm just going to go over this list. Like, let's okay. do this, okay? All right. This is our... our 1985 marathon. Now, do we want to do it really quickly? Do we want to pare down to just 10? No, let's just leave it as is. Man. Okay. Come on. Let's so then not... we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 14 movies here. Yeah. A marathon movies. of 14 films. Here's what we got. And this is in no particular order. Yes. Okay. This is for up to you. Get to program your own. Um, ladies and gentlemen, when you want to do a 24-hour movie marathon mm-hmm. here, we have Sam Furstenberg's American Ninja. What else, Chris? Godzilla 1985. Toby Hooper's Life Force. Luca Bercovici's Ghoulies. M- Michael Winner. Death Wish 3. Larry Cohen's The Stuff. Dan Adias's. <laughs> Matthias. Matthias's Silver Bullet. 
Jack Shoulder's Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Danny Steineman's Friday the 13th V, A New Beginning. (laughs) Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. Tom Holland's Fright Night. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Lamberto Bava's Demoni. And Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. Holy shit. Look, guys, you're going to have the best... If that's 14, let's just say two hours each movie, even though that's not quite accurate. What's it's 14 a weekend, times man. two? Just it's do, a whole do weekend. weekend. Do just a do. Weekend. You've got. It's going to be the be- That would be the best weekend of my life. Yeah. This is going to be the best weekend of our lives, Chris. Yes. We're going to program this while this drive-in is closed. Well, guys, and Chris, I'm sad to say that we are wrapping up our second season. Um, we're going to take a, a short little break here. Mm-hmm. Um. To let the, the we, snow melt. But we got a lot of things coming down the pipe, man. We really do. And we're not even going to spoil it for no. you. Just suffice to say that season three is looking incredible. And we've got a lot of wonderful surprises in store for everybody. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. Um, it's been a hell of a year. And we can't wait for the next season. Fuck 2021. <laughs> Bring on 2022. <laughs> And by the way, again, um, if you got if if we missed some movies for 1985 that you think should have been in there, feel free to email us again at yeah. deadcitydrivein at gmail dot com. You can have words with the management all day long. It was not easy to pare down. There are a lot of movies that we probably had to cut. Yeah. Um. So feel free to let us know. Um what we could have done or how we could program it better. Well, that does it for our second season of Dead City Drive-In. Thank you so much. Once again, I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered. See you soon. Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future episode. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show, keep the admission free, and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Under 17, not admitted without parent.